What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of the Game Room Podcast. I'm your host, Rome, alongside my co-hosts. We got Dev. Dev, how you doing tonight? Hello. Good tonight. All right, and Forrest is here. Forrest, how you doing? I'm not going to lie. Literally until five minutes ago, I forgot I was doing this. <laughs> That's probably like the ultimate forest, uh, forestism. Yeah, we'll say forestism. Uh, I like it. Uh, we also have producer Jeff uh, on the ones and twos uh, producing the show. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Hey, what's up? What's going on, everybody? I had to unmute myself, man. Oh, that's right. Producer Jeff needs, needs a warning. Uh, but no, we have a it's, a... it's a packed show. But, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, not a good week in gaming news. A lot, lot of stuff to get into. Uh, you know, some of the top headlines... Microsoft laid off 10,000 employees. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we got some updates with Ubisoft. Modern Warfare 2 Season 2 is delayed, um, amongst other not great stories. Uh, so let's just jump right into the first headline. Uh, so this headline, I wasn't going to include it, but then I decided kind of last minute just because of how crazy it was. Um, so a Motorsport Games employee has threatened to leak the source code of their four games uh at the studio um it's been a pretty bad situation there in motors motorsport games the past several months uh, months with employees not being paid threatening lawsuits to its entire board of directors or the board the board of directors leaving the company over funding disputes um in a new update from anonymous employees insider gaming this past week learned that the company is now essentially being blackmailed to pay unpaid wages or the source code of its fir- of its four games will be released online. Uh, these games, obviously, motorsport games, you know, they may generally make racing games, uh, the NASCAR games, also games called IndyCar and Kartcraft. Um, the employee has demanded that all unpaid wages be paid by January 25th, or the source code will be released publicly online. Um, this I thought this was kind of wild that this is going on where it's like I, because I don't play NASCAR games or anything like that, but just the fact that there is a like a publisher out there that's just or I guess a developer they're just straight up not paying their employees and now they're blackmailing the higher ups of the company. Yeah, that's it's rough when you got to blackmail your your boss just to get paid to get paid right. Yeah, that's. Do you get a bonus for going through all that? Because geez. No, they're not even getting paid. Why do you think they're going to get a boat? <laughs> no, that was the joke. Is like you, you blackmail them for more than your pay. So you get a bonus. But no, that's fucked up. That is messed up. They should not be doing that. Yeah. How dare. Pay your, de- pay your employees. Pay, pay your debt to everybody. Taxes are coming, gamers. No. <laughs> no, I mean, and again, like there was, there was a lot of stuff that went down this past week um, where like not... Not a great week for employees of the games industry. Like, I'll, I'll just say that much. We're going to keep getting into it, but that's story number one, guys, for for the week. But moving right along. Uh, so this past week, uh, Call of Duty announced that Season 2 of Modern Warfare 2 was delayed by about two weeks. It's launching on February 15th. Uh, they released the official statement saying, you know, Season 2 will be launching on February 15th. Our studio teams have been making several changes based on what we've heard from our player community. Season 2 includes all new content with the return of Resurgence and a brand new small map for Warzone 2.0. 
Ranked play is also back and coming to Modern Warfare 2, along with new multiplayer maps, new modes, weapons, and much more. Stay tuned for additional intel. So I think it'd be a good time to bring in producer Jeff for this. Uh, he's our resident Call of Duty kid. Um, producer Jeff, how do you feel about this? Um, I could have called it because they actually did this last year uh, for season two, and it was on the exact same date that they had pushed it back as well. So they can try to say that this is because they're doing some changes or whatever. It's obviously a planned thing. So, I mean, I, I think it's more of a coincidence. I did see that stat that it was delayed. Uh, I don't know. I think that I, I'm not feeling really great about Modern Warfare 2 right now, but not because they delayed the season more. So I feel like they're, I feel like Modern Warfare 2 and more so Warzone 2 is about to just kind of revert back to previous games and previous zone. And they're, and, they're giving us one V one in the gulag, which is the that. one thing that I really wanted. So terrible. that's a, that's a terrible thing. How is the, it a terrible thing when I have a chance two... to have a random partner that may be AFK that sure. makes no sense to me. Can I, can, all right, so let me explain this to you, Jeff. So a battle Royale game, winning a battle Royale game is not easy. And if it is like, no, if it's something that you're getting multiple chances to chances to respawn, then that's, in my opinion, that makes the battle Royale worse. I was never a fan of the Gulag. I, system. I was never a fan of the Gulag system to begin with. I think that by making it 2v2, you are adding in an extra element where anything can happen. And I think that if you're going to do a respawn, I think adding more and more to make it more anything can happen makes it better. So by going back to a 1v1, again, number one, you're reverting to Warzone 1. You're, you're, you're bending. You're going backwards, not forwards. And it's just, again, I understand how the Call of Duty gamers will like this change. Absolutely, they will. But they should just go play multiplayer. So, I mean... Uh, I mean I, e so in my opinion, to even defend what you're saying here, because I, I don't think this was the change that should have been made, but I'm going to deal with it for the time being. The change that should have been made is when you die, you sit in the gulag until one of your teammates dies, and then you both are on the team, not some random asshole that's probably going to be AFK. Like, if you're going to force me in a 2v2, then I want one of those 2v2s to be my other teammate. Like, plain and simple. But again, I mean, that just goes back to my original point where I think that it was better when there was just that extra element of chaos. Like, well, no, no, I, I would completely agree with that if the chances of somebody not being there as your teammate wasn't like 25%. Literally, one out of every four times I'm in the gulag, my teammate's standing there and he doesn't move. I mean, I, I can only speak from my experiences. I yeah. barely have had that issue. I yeah. usually, I'm not saying they're always good teammates, but when I've played, yeah. they're like about 99% of the time they've been there and ready to go we could always go back to the old school answer of get good you know so sure that's why i would say keep it at 2v2 and get good yeah so. hey, don't get me wrong i was winning my 2v 2v1s but sure. wasn't fun um yeah i mean we'll have to see what happens when uh Modern Warfare 2 season 2 launches february 15th um but i mean in my opinion don't think it's the best all right let's see what's going on in chat right now we got the day trading doge saying, oof, that's an L for sure. Uh, and Jamie the comic says, evening lads, it's 1 a.m. where he is, or where they are. Respect. What's up, Jamie? How you doing? Um, yeah, so Modern Warfare 2, not, not super thrilled with what's going on there. 
All right, next up, uh, the Metal, Metal Gear voice actor uh, has hinted a new announcement in the coming weeks. Following is coming from Games Radar. A Metal Gear Rising Revengeance actor is seemingly hinting at news relating to the Dormant franchise in the coming weeks. Earlier today on January 17th, earlier this week on January 17th, uh, actor Quentin Flynn used their personal account to respond to speculation about forthcoming Metal Gear related news. When a Twitter user hypothesized that Metal Gear Rising or Metal Gear Solid news could be coming soon, Flynn replied that they would have to stay tuned for things to be announced in the coming weeks. Um, it, it's really interesting to see Konami kind of getting possibly back into Metal Gear. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago here on the Game Room Podcast. Um, Dev, how do you feel about Konami after burning all their bridges in, in gaming, really, uh, them possibly getting back into it? I mean, I don't know. The legacy of Konami is pretty big, so it's like, it's, I guess it's bittersweet. Like, mm. You know, let them come back to gaming. Hopefully they come back good, you know. Hopefully come back well. Something to live up to. They've been going for a while, it feels like. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Uh, Forrest, what about you? What do you think? I want that Revengeance too. Yo, I don't... I, if it's regular Metal Gear, if it's Revengeance, though... And they figured out, like, this could be their Devil May Cry 5 of their series. Like, they realized how popular Revengeance was in the past, like, two years. And that's why they brought it back. They're going to do a sequel. And they're going to be they're gonna be making, like, super self-aware jokes about the, the, the typhoon guy that, may, that talks about lifeblood of memes. I want, I want that. I want that again. I want, I, want, I want, like, seven senators. That's what I want. Or is that that could be potentially a very hot take? He's saying like regular Metal Gear, like uh, fuck. You don't regular. like regular Metal Gear, huh? I don't like regular Metal Gear. No, I'm just I'm just saying there, there's a lot of people it that can would, be the hottest the hottest take. I I could not care less. Regular regular Metal Gear, I sleep. Meme well, Metal Gear Revengeance, I wake. What do you mean by regular Metal Gear? Are we talking Metal Gear Solid One? All of it. Yeah, he he's saying like traditional Metal Gear Solid, whereas Metal Gear Rising. Or Revengeance, whatever it was called. Uh, the first M- Metal Gear Solid One's like one of my favorite games of all time. There we go. There <laughs> not, we are. Not, I I missed that. I skipped all that. I never I jumped was in, in the there. hype. Whew. I think the only one I played was Snake Eater, and I was so bad at it. The old guy died of old age. Dude, people still use the I alert the sound though. as like their ringtone and their text message tone on their phones, man. And I really, I got, I feel like I know Metal Gear Solid mostly from Smash Bros. Well, in the chat, Jamie, the comic says MGS One remake, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance will be remastered for newer consoles. Uh, Metal Gear Rising was originally meant to be a spinoff, but they did nothing with it apart from the first. Also, Jamie, the comics uh, just chimed in also saying, Konami has realized that their IPs are still wanted. So instead of selling right away, they're outsourcing the development and still publishing. Yeah, I, Jamie, I think you're right on that. I think that they're not going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting, not not doing a lot of the work. But they, they have the IP, kind of like what Dev said. The, the IP is, is really there and it's strong. You got Metal Gear, you know, Castlevania, other, you know, other franchises. That's just the top two that, I, that come to mind for me. But, I mean... They will make their portfolio more appealing to sell to PlayStation. I could see that happening. I could see PlayStation buying Konami's IP. All right. Back to the not fun headlines. 
uh, Tencent is now partially owned by the Chinese government. I'm not even surprised. I honestly, if you had told me they were, they were part of it already, I would have, I would have, I would have thought so. Yeah. Uh, coming from Windows Central, Tencent is one of the world's biggest tech companies with interests spanning manufacturing to cloud and, of course, video games. To that end, Tencent is essentially one of Microsoft's biggest competitors in several verticals. It is often thought of as a primary concern with regards to Microsoft's ambitions in cloud gaming service type titles. Tencent's gaming arm largely revolves around mobile games and free-to-play titles with large stakes in firms like Epic of Fortnite and others. Tencent has full ownership of Riot Games and complete competes directly against Activision and Blizzard in particular, across titles like League of Legends and Valorant. Microsoft is attempting, as we all know, to purchase Activision Blizzard in a deal valued at $69 billion, um, which hopefully one day we can finally stop talking about. Um, but yeah, uh, China's government is now a partial owner of Tencent. Um, not not great. Not 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 great news. Just shaking my head. Just shaking my yeah, head. Yeah, there's not a lot to it because kind of like what Dev said, it's like you kind of assume that they were already kind of there. Yeah. But it's just it was noteworthy, so it, it made the made the headline. But on to some Ubisoft updates. Because we were talking about Ubisoft in the topic of the last episode, kind of trying to figure out what's going on with them and Skull and Bones. Um, well, luckily a lot of Ubisoft employees have began uh talking to insidergaming.com, uh obviously anonymously. And let's get into what some of the uh Things that have been said. So, firstly, Ubisoft employees are going to be striking. They're going to be on strike following the CEO's comments. Nice. Uh, recently, Insider Gaming reported on the damning revelation that Ubisoft CEO Yves Guimot was laying the blame for the company's failings at the feet of its employees and demanding that they pick up the pieces. Uh, as you can likely imagine, comments of that nature haven't sat well with employees. And by way of response, staff in Ubisoft Paris are calling for a, ma uh, a mass strike on the 27th of January. It has been a relatively rocky time for Ubisoft as of late, and the somewhat hurtful comments made by Gimo have simply added fuel to the fire. Um, Insider Gaming goes on to say that this wasn't the right way to do it. In an effort to inspire and motivate its staff to perform better, Gimo simply said the ball's in their court, and essentially the future of the company rests in their hands. Um, so next week on January 27th, the staff at Ubisoft Paris, they're planning to walk out the entire studio um, with those that are backed by a union standing resolute and demanding changes. Um, there have been several demands laid out by the Solidaire Informatique du Video. It's in French, so hopefully I said that right. Forrest, was, was that, did that sound good? You're part French or our French. I'm, I'm unpracticing. Uh, the employees' demands, they're demanding a 10% increase in all salaries, stating that the recent investment made by Tencent into Ubisoft more than covers it. Uh, employees have demanded the Im implementation of a four-day work week. Um, there has also been a demand for transparency on the evolution and the future of workforce on a global scale. Um, obviously, these are by no means minor requests, um, but it's it's nice to see uh, Ubisoft Paris kind of stepping up here after 
you know, last week, which we talked about at length last week. Yeah, I know this is this sounds pretty big. Like it makes sense after what he was saying, like basically work harder for cheaper. And now they're saying no pay us. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not for a lot they're not asking for a lot they're asking to be paid more which the company was recently invested in so i don't see why not they're asking for a, a healthy work home life balance which i think is super important personally um and they're just asking to be kept in the loop with you know with the way the company is running i, I don't think there's anything wrong with anything they asked for necessarily i agree like no they're all right good i'm glad i'm glad like ubisoft stop it bad ceo bad where's the squirt bottles <laughs> Squirt him in the face like a bad cat or something. Exactly. Like, nah, dude. Don't, don't. Ugh. Like I said, it was so scummy last week when we were talking about it. I was like, ew. The CEO just like made me like go. It gave me the ick, as they say. I was just like, ugh, gross. I'm so glad that those words directly inspired a strike because that's just going to create problems for even management above him above the ceo the people who he answers to so it's just gonna be let's go let's go way to put the way to way to do it let's go well so it's gone beyond that actually uh kotaku last week ran a uh an article about ubisoft devs uh grilling eve's gimo gimo um and they shift the blame onto him and chasing trends in the industry uh, and like I said, this comes from Kotaku. Ubisoft CEO Yves Guimot faced tough questions from exhausted and fed up staff about recent missteps and future plans in a company-wide Q&A session last Wednesday. The meeting comes just a week after the Assassin's Creed publisher announced new cancellations, delays, and cost-cutting measures, and told employees that the ball is in your court Bro. to help get the $3 billion company back on track. Bro. Is it not literally what we said? Uh, if you did not watch last week's episode, go to last week's episode. Like, it. I hate this CEO. I hate him. He's he's getting up there on my top hated CEOs list. Okay, so here's here's one of the first quotes in this Kotaku article. Uh, so the employee says, "The ball is in our court. For years, it has been in your court. So why did you mishandle the ball so badly that we, the workers, have to fix it for you?" Um, read one upvoted question on a list submitted in advance through corporate communication channels. Um, let's see. Bro, I want the CEO to resign. I want him to get dunked on. I want him to trip on his way out of the building on his last day. Like, everything. Uh, well, so Gimo opened up the meeting by apologizing. He says, I heard your feedback, and I'm sorry that this was perceived that way. Gimo said, uh, according to sources present who were not authorized to speak to press, when saying the ball is in your court to deliver our lineup on time and the expected level of quality, I wanted to convey the idea that more than ever, I need your talent and energy to make it happen. This is a collective journey that starts, of course, with myself and with the leadership team to create the conditions for all of us to succeed together. That's that's manager speak right there. This is, it is manager speak. That is... This is, the, I love it because, I love it because it's say stupid stuff, win stupid prizes, and I can't wait for him to win his prizes. Is he going to win? 
He gonna win. He is gonna win. What is gonna win? What's he gonna win? Surprise. Less letters on his name. That would be pretty nice. I've I've read the name a few times while making the script for this week. It's it it's CEO, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, he meant CEO. Oh, yeah. he's gonna lose the CEO letters to his name. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot of silent letters in his name too, so he could lose those and not feel anything. It'd be fine. Um, I think that like, I mean. It is a step in the right direction. Ubisoft has a lot to work on. They have a lot of IPs that they're working on at the same time. And it's just, yeah, this is just, I feel like this is a good step. We'll see. Uh, while that clarification resonated with some developers, others who spoke with Kotaku still feel management is out of touch and found little in the meeting to reassure them. The hour-long affair was filled with industry buzzwords and business jargon and light on specifics. Chief Financial Officer Frederick Duget uh, said they needed to reduce costs and increase productivity. Chief, Pol Chief People Officer Anika Grant rejected a recent proposal for four-day work weeks and said requested raises to keep up with inflation were off the table amid the current financial struggles. None of the executives directly addressed the recent call for a strike over working conditions at the company's Paris studio. Uh, Guimau remained vague about potential for layoffs as well. It's not about doing more with less, but finding ways to, to do things differently across the company, Guimau said at one point. The meeting after a particularly poor 2022 for the global publisher, which included no marquee blockbuster, as several projects were delayed, trapped in development hell, or shipped and failed to find an audience. It appears that management is out of touch with games, saying that we need to adapt an involving industry, question mark, is the quote um, from another developer. It was another question that was for the, uh, the meeting, it looks like. Another one was, why are we chasing trends instead of setting them? You know, and, and that question, I think, goes really hand in hand with my point last week when we talked about it, um, where, like, Ubisoft, they used to be such a good publisher. They, like, the quality of games that Ubisoft used to put out used to be so high. And, uh, you know, in the recent years, they really, they lost their way. I mean, they, they're just, they just chase trends. They chase, like, oh, let's make live service games that are so massive that you're going to get burnt out and not enjoy them, you know, amongst any, you know, amongst other things. Microtransactions, the whole, everything, just everything that they do. I wonder if there's a direct, like, timeline for when certain CEOs took over and then just their their uh trend chasing starts i wonder if there's like a correlation in the timelines if you put them side by side i really wonder that let's check back in the chat real quick before we continue with this story uh jamie the comic says uh ubisoft have so many ips but are worried about expanding to new or dormant ips that they have been playing it safe for for too long that it's hurting them uh jamie also says ubisoft were so close to bankruptcy so many times that they are not taking risks and have been laying in the same position for too long. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's those are great points. Um, I, I think that it's not necessarily that they're laying down and staying in the same position. I think that they're, they're, they're just not focusing in, in the quality department for these games. They're, they're focusing in, you know, chasing trends and the developers themselves are frustrated. So it's like, it's understandable. Yeah. Uh, to go on with the trends that I mentioned, uh, those trends include the company's 2021 misadventure with NFTs or its partnership with the now defunct Google Stadia streaming service. 
It could also describe, which died two days yeah. ago. Yeah, RIP, pour one out uh, for Google Stadia. Um, anyways, getting back on track. Uh, it could also describe the publisher's recent race to ship multiple free-to-play spinoffs of existing franchises and a crowded slate of battle royale and hero-based shooters. Some of these, like Hyperscape, Roller Champions, have already launched and struggled to find audiences. Hyperscape actually already closed its servers down after a few months. Like, can you imagine launching a battle royale and just you have to, you you have to shut it down in a few months? Like, that's that's insane. Yeah. Um, others like the Division Heartland were announced a while ago, but have yet to actually come out. Uh, Ghost Recon Frontline is another example revealed in 2021. It looked like a ripoff of Warzone, but with some new gameplay twists. I think I mentioned this last week. It was basically a battle royale that was they it was finished. The game was finished and was ready to launch, and they canceled it because there was literally zero interest in it. Um, in the meeting, Gimo also spoke of doubling down on Ubisoft's core franchises like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, and its Tom Clancy games, including Rainbow Six, whose potential the CEO compared to Riot Games' Valorant. Uh, some see it as a retreat, not just from chasing trends, but experimentation as well. We need to acknowledge that the trends are for mega brands, said Marie-Sophie de, de Wilbur, there you go, senior vice president of studio operations, when asked about why the company didn't pursue more varied smaller games, like Anno 1800, which was a game that they put out uh, last year. Um, so, I mean, that that's generally, you know, the feedback that Kotaku reports on in this article, uh, it, it just definitely seems like the developers and the employees are just really frustrated with the company and they just want to make good games. That's all any of these developers want to do is make good games. And I mean, we're seeing it time and time again, publishers are starting to get in the way of that. And it really sucks to see. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry. oh, sorry, go ahead. I said you said it best. They're getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, so Insider Gaming also, while speaking with Ubisoft uh, employees anonymously, uh, they did gain information that on one of the canceled games, uh, it was the Project Q that had been announced. Um, it was scheduled to have a series of upcoming playtests in the first half of this year. A developer update revealed the project was no longer in development. Um, basically, if I recall, Code Project Q, it was a arena team-based shooter. Again, just them chasing trends, and it's just oh, everyone likes Overwatch, so let's make a team-based arena shooter. You know, didn't they do that with Battleborn? They did, and that also failed. Yeah. That, yep. Dad, were you excited for Battleborn? I think it was also bad timing too, because I think Overwatch came out like right around the same time. Yeah, they did. That was just. Well, along with that, we also, uh, an employee basically revealed the 11 games that are coming out um, from Ubisoft in the next year. Uh, those games, I'm just going to run through them real quick. Uh, the Division Heartland, which is a free-to-play game coming to PlayStation and Xbox. Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland is a free-to-play survival action multiplayer shooter set in a fictional small-town middle America. Um I, I mean, you like The Division a lot, Dev. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I, I think going free-to-play is just, again, them chasing another trend where The Division could be something really cool. Yeah. And I don't have any interest in a free-to-play Division. Because I really enjoy Division 1 and 2. Right. Uh, I don't think I'm going to... I have, Yeah, I don't think I'm going to like this one. Because it seems like they're moving into that free-to-play space, and it's just... Yeah. I don't know. 
Uh, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora is also rumored to still be coming out this year, according to the leak. Uh, it's a first-person action-adventure game developed by Massive Entertainment, um, based off of the movie Avatar. X Defiant, another free-to-play game, and I believe this was originally this was a Tom Clancy game, and then it got they took the Tom Clancy name off it after backlash because Tom Clancy, for those that don't understand, the reason that Tom Clancy's name is on these games is because he was a writer and he wrote stories, you know, kind of like military-esque stories. So these these games were originally adaptations of you know his work, or I believe he actually wrote the script for the original Tom Clancy games, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, X Defy when they showed it off, it was like a battle royale, or like no, it was an arena shooter that was very like vibrant and colorful and had nothing to do with kind of like a real life war situation. So they took the name Tom Clancy off of it and it just became X Defiant. Um, but yeah, another free to play game apparently coming out this year. Assassin's Creed Mirage is coming out this year, according to the release, uh, the the leak. This is literally one of two games that I'm excited for, and it's the only game I'm like really excited for. Um, again, you know it's bad when the selling point is is like, guys, we promise it's an old Assassin's Creed game. Like that's that's, that's hor- yeah, that's horrible selling point. Like, yeah, like you know that it's like, well, at least you're aware that you're fucking up. You know what I mean? Like you're aware you're making these mistakes. You, like you're you're aware. You're not, uh, not the recent crap we made. But like the recent stuff, people do like it. People do play it. People do buy it. People, you know, it's it's bloated. It's different. It's yeah. bloated. Also, also, like stick to it. Like don't keep changing it. Every game's like essentially a different game. I mean, it, it's better. I I think I like the idea of them having both Assassin's Creed. So they said like they'll have the you know traditional Assassin's Creed and they'll have the RPGs with like the China uh, game. So it's like I don't know. It's cool. To have both, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I think you make a lot of good points on that. I mean, it, it's good to have both, but I mean, for me, the RPG games in the Assassin's Creed franchise—they're just again, they're just—they're they're too, they're big, too yeah. big, and it's just like I understand. It's a development thing. Just don't make them as big. Don't make make it better. Is that a development thing though, or is that or is that or is that Ubisoft again pointing out like, hey, make it is a live service. We're gonna make a live service Assassin's Creed where you're gonna have to keep battle royale Assassin's Creed. It's more like 150, and then and then they release, and then no, and then they release updates. The point is, they want you to log into your into that game every day for years. Yeah, and that's not. I don't think that's a fair model to ask gamers who want to play other games. And I think it is. It's it's light, but it is it does have elements of a live service. Let's head over to the chat. Uh, Jamie the Comics says Battleborn was by 2K, so not Ubisoft. Um, Jamie also says Skull and Bones was hyped for so long that it needs to be a perfect game for it to succeed. A good case for not announcing a game before they are confident it's ready to yeah. be released. I, I couldn't agree more with that, Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, that's a home run right yeah. there. I don't think it's going to be a perfect game either. Oh, it's not. It's going to be a good game at, at most. But it's not going to be a good game. It's not going to be a good game. Well, we talked about this in games that have been, took six years to make. Right, and we also discussed that it's not about the development time, it's about how many times that the development was off off the rails. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it took six years to make Breath of the Wild. They they were on track for the most part. Did they have to delay it by a few months for the Switch? Yeah, they did. But the development was still on track. It wasn't de- a, a hellish development cycle. 
like Skull and Bones, where it's like, oh, all right, game's coming out in two years. Oh, wait, now it's coming out in another two years and another. And it, like, no, like that's not a well-developed game. That's development. Help. We'll see. We will. Dev's gonna Dev, you're gonna you're gonna review Skull and Bones for us. Say about that too. Look, the guy, the key doesn't. You don't have faith in the game. You're not even gonna buy it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, other games that um are announced for this year, uh, Project Orland, which is rumored to be the Crew Three. Um, it started out originally as Crew Two DLC, but apparently it evolved into its own game. Uh, Assassin's Creed Nexus for the Oculus is coming out. Uh, the Division Resurgence, which is a mobile game. Rainbow Six Mobile, which is obviously a mobile game. Assassin's Creed, Codename Jade, which, while it does look good, also a mobile game. Um, which, Forrest, I actually was, while looking at this article, uh, in Assassin's Creed, Codename Jade, you create your own assassin. Ooh. Well, there you go. Got him. Got him. Got him. He's back in. He's back in on Ubisoft. I do hope that comes in. I really do. Please give it a port. It looks good. It does look good. Oh yeah, it's set in China. Yeah, it's set uh, the it's set in ancient China, and I, I mean again, I think the game looks good. Um, but actually, that's a really good producer Jeff point out there. You know, the game set in China is the mobile game, which mobile gaming obviously very big over there. I mean, it's definitely something to to note. Uh, and then lastly, the Assassin's Creed Netflix collaboration, which is coming to mobile. So, I mean, again, like just looking at these releases, you're seeing the trends. You're seeing mobile games. You're seeing free-to-play arena shooters. And you're not just seeing one from Ubisoft. You're seeing multiple of the same type of game coming out in within a year. Like, that's just not smart. So I, I want to jump in real quick. If you read that very bottom sentence here... Uh... The game will be exclusive to Netflix and won't feature any ads or in-app purchases. How, hold on. How is this game going to be exclusive to Netflix? Is Netflix now going to host games on their app? So Netflix has been uh, hosting games on their mobile app, and apparently they have pretty good games. Uh, it's not big anywhere yet, but they're trying to step their, you know, get their foot into the gaming market. Right, which is why they're working with Assassin's Creed. Yeah. How did I not know about that? That's crazy. What? because <laughs> you're too busy on the ones and twos producer jeff it's yeah, okay yeah uh going back over to the chat real quick jamie the comic is saying uh, if it's a seven out of ten by ign the people won't buy it because it's average and it will be an expensive failure yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i definitely agree with that but luckily that is all we have uh for ubisoft right now let's talk about talk about how suicide squad really lost some hype for me this week and probably not for you, Dev, but uh, I mean, for me, it, it definitely did. Um, so a screenshot leaked, which appears to reveal that Suicide Squad is a live service game with a battle pass. <laughs> <laughs> I liked a little chuckle. I could just imagine Forrest just saying. <laughs> um, well, it seems like Rocksteady's upcoming Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League could feature live service elements, including a store and a battle pass. This information comes from a leaked screenshot of the game four months ahead of its release. VGC reports that the leaked image originated on 4chan, and the outlet says it confirmed with its own sources that the image is real. Screenshot shows what looks like the game's main menu, where we can see all four playable characters lined up. Uh, Unfortunately, the image seems to have been taken down, 
uh, which double down that it's real because that means WB probably was like, oh, we got to get that taken right down. Um, send out a good old cease and desist. But uh, IGN does note that the left side of the screen shows a chapter select menu, while on the bar on the top of the screen, it shows options including looks, loadout, social, store, and battle pass. This indicates that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League could contain live service elements. According to VGC sources, the battle pass will be focused on cosmetic items. Their sources say that the currencies at the top of the, of the leaked image are XP numbers for powering up and customizing your characters. VGC was also told that the characters don't start out weak. They start off great and can't get and can get ridiculous, like Arkham Knight's Batman. Um, I'm not a fan of the live service element. I'm also not really a fan of the battle pass uh, style. I, I think that I like I like buying a game. Say like I buy a video game, I pay for the video game, and then I play the video game and everything that's on the video game. I play it. And then I'm like, wow, this is a great video game. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to come back to this at some point in the future and play it again. But for now, I'm going to play a different video game. I don't, I don't like the live service stuff. I don't like the battle pass stuff. Um, I, I would like to see finished games be finished. And the live service model hurts that. I think it, it, it gives developers the mindset that a game is never finished. And in fact, Todd Howard said that at Bethesda when Fallout 76 came out. And it was terrible. And he was like, well, you know, with this new model, games are never really finished. We just keep working on them forever. It's like, so what are you supposed to do if you want to buy the game? Like, you're going to jump in to a game you, you want to play, and the developers are like, eh, it's not done, but it'll be done someday. Just go ahead and buy it. Like, no, like, I think that's scummy. I don't like that at all. But that's not the case for every live service game. It is for most. It isn't. It is. We're going to be talking about one later on that was that. And like, failed miserably. I think a live service game fits better for people who like playing that game for, for a long time, who enjoy that game. And the, it doesn't even have to be... For exa Okay, for example, Rocket League, that's a live service game. You can jump on, you can play it, you can play with your friends You know, right now, you can play with your friends a year from now. It's going to be the same game, but it's a live service game. Hunt Showdown, that, that's a good game. Destiny 2, um, Genshin Impact, Apex, For, Fortnite. I can keep going on. These are all great games. Um, if you think any of those games are bad, you can say so right now. So I'm not... So, okay, let me add, like, a caveat to the live service thing. You're so, saying bad games are bad, and I'm saying... But I'm, I'm, saying I'm saying that the live service model hurts certain types of games. I don't disagree with your point that those games are... Sorry, Dev sits next to me, so I keep looking off the camera. Um, I'm not saying that those games are bad. Like, Rocket League, no, not a bad game. But... The live service model, like that, like Rocket League is a straight up multiplayer game for two teams. Like it's just different. I don't have a problem with that necessarily. But what I have a problem with is when you take a game which is probably going to play like bat, like the Batman Arkham games. Mm -hmm. Like that does not need to be a live service game. I agree. That's a game that should have a beginning, a middle, and end, and all the content should be there on the disc or digitally, whatever, for the player to access as soon as they buy the game. I don't think that that the live service I think the live service model hurts certain types of games. Let me, so I'm glad I could rephrase that. That, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Okay. I, I don't think it's a good, I don't think it's a good model for, for mean, a game like Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, because I'm expecting the game. We haven't seen too much gameplay. Yeah, we haven't I'm, seen much. I'm expecting it to play somewhat like the Arkham game. It's Rocksteady, yeah. so I'm expecting that. But I think they're just going to add more story stuff, more outfits probably. 
Like that doesn't hurt a game at all. Yeah, but it's sucking a game more on top of what already has it was already finished. That doesn't hurt the game. Yeah, but I think it sucks because it's just why does it suck? Because well, if I'm playing the game for content to a game that you like, if you play the game and you're done with it, you're done with it. You don't have to play it to get the extra outfits. You know, like if you want the Christmas outfit, you don't have to play it for that. You know what I mean? Because when you spend seventy, now it's seventy dollars. Games mm-hmm. cost seventy dollars. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. If you get the game, you should have all those cosmetics in the game. Like I'm like I'm sorry, I like, guess just how I feel about it. I don't but think the development would never end for that game. No, it would. Because yeah, they're creating content as they go on. They create, you know, Christmas outfits. And and a lot of games have DLC even and they're not even live service. So it's just like it's the same thing. I don't know. I, I think it's, that's just an agree to disagree thing on us. In all fairness, the game looks incredible. Yeah, it looks shit. incredible. It does. And I don't disagree <laughs> with that. To, to get more of something that's great because my concern is is that the live the live service model will root will make the game worse how we've in seen what, it happen in what way avengers let's talk about it avengers we're going to talk about avengers i shouldn't have brought it up because we're right. going to talk about but it. avengers was a bad game period yes because it chased the live service model yes oh look at destiny Fairness. it chases the live service model. it's a great game it's a great game. I can't speak on but Destiny. I haven't, played game, I haven't played Destiny. I can't speak. Okay, but if you make a great game and you add live service on top of it, it enhances the game. This is what people still play Destiny. Yeah. There's huge lore. It's it's it's. You can still play with your friends. You can still have your same character. This is what for. But then when you make a crap game and add live service onto it, it's just more crap. I legitimately can't find this photo. It's been scrubbed off of Twitter and Reddit. Oh, completely. Yeah, it probably has been. I wouldn't be surprised. This was from a few days ago. I think uh, the exact date this happened was. Five days ago. So, yeah, WB totally moved in and scrubbed the image. They're copywriting it. It says this has been copywritten, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, uh, it depends on the gameplay, the type of gameplay, and what they're, what they're using this live service for. All yeah. I'm saying is when I, when I saw this news, I instantly thought of the Avengers game. And then, ironically, that's, that's, two that's, days that's, later, that's, the news about the Avengers came out. Yeah, that's fair. And we're going to talk about the Avengers. So, so, all right, let me, let, me, let me be the little voice of reason here. I, you're both right, and you're both wrong. But no, you're both right. Uh, it depends on the genre of the game. Like, a live, a live service shooter, that makes sense. A live service competitive anything makes sense you got your what your fall guys your apex your destiny um that's technically a fps shooter with a lot of online activity 90 percent of the game is online that makes sense for it to be a live service arkham knights or whatever the hell it's called that totally does not make sense being a live service uh avengers should have not been a live service it really comes down to the property and the thing. It's like, basically, RPGs should not be live services. That is an RPG, and those are both RPGs. The only thing that actually worked, and it's, it's I'm going to actually blame Destiny for this. Destiny has RPG elements on its shooter. That's why it works, because it has RPG elements. Not because it's an RPG. But, so it's, it very much comes down to the genre and that's pretty much it if the genre some genres do not make sense being live live service a pure rpg like avengers has no right being live service arkham knights whatever maybe i haven't touched the game i don't know what actually the gameplay loop is 
I would say maybe not be uh, oh, online. It shouldn't be. Yeah. So, and then you have you have Dev's case where Destiny is makes sense to be online. Apex makes sense to be online. Call of Duty makes sense to be online. You know. Um, then you have something like Pokemon that would never make sense to be an online service. I mean, yeah, it would. Pokemon? Yeah. Just do update. How would that? Wait. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Now I'm on Rome's side. That's how? This guy just chooses chaos sometimes. How <laughs> would Pokemon benefit from being a live service battle pass esque? What? I gotta. I gotta play for seven days straight to unlock Charizard. No, damn it. Not that kind. Like I said before, that's a live service. It depends on the on what content you're getting from the live service. Okay, what would you? How would you do a Pokemon game as a live service? I mean, that's a whole other episode, but <laughs> no, it's too much. <laughs> For example, we we had it, 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 if it's just updates, gaming updates, like Sword and Shield had two updates. If it's something like that, that's not a live service though. But that could work. They just they did they made expansions to the game. That's not the same yeah. thing. That's but the well, what I'm saying is we don't know what this Kill the Justice League live service is going to add. If it's just adding that stuff, then it's fine. It's, it's, yeah, but so, so it's live service is it necessarily dynamic. used? I think, I think Dev, you might be confusing DLC oh, and live service. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah but then, DLC, like a battle pass is live service. Yeah, DLC I, is another patch of maybe 30 to 40 hours, like yeah. 30 minutes to like four hours of extra content right. that you pay 10 to whatever like in pokemon's case it's 60 dollars. Or, or here you go here you go uh monster hunter monster hunter rise they do a big dlc that is essentially monster hunter rise 2 every like two years into the cycle of the life cycle of the original sure. so we always know it's coming and it's a massive update and it's but the game's fine by itself but like I could not see that being a live service. What are they gonna do? Just keep putting in skins and weapons? I mean, I would actually like that, but I don't see that adding benefit to the game. I'd rather get the chunky DLC boys and occasionally get a monster thrown in or a special quest every so often. That would be DLC. A live battle pass is like what? So I have to kill Superman forty-five times to unlock Harley Quinn's golden gun. But like you, you. So I'm glad you said that. Monster Hunter Rise is a live service game. Mm. It is. It is. It's a live service game. It's not. Are you it going by the literal definition of live service? Yeah, knows what it is. is it Rise not? is not a live service game. It's not. No, it's it's it has it is a game that you can hunt online. It right. does not have a battle pass. They give you weekly events that you yeah, like service. a singular mission. Once that's a week, it's a game that will, that makes you want to come back every week, even though you put it down. That's live service. I think. It's, all right, I think maybe that definition's not good either. But it is though. Genshin Impact. Single Genshin player Impact game. is a gotcha game. We're now on a third different topic. But it's a live service game. These games are live services. Um. It just it is. That's what I'm saying. It depends on the content that you're getting from the game. If you're getting massive, if you're getting massive, you know, maps and whole parts of the game that you said should take only three or four hours to play, that's that's content that I like. If you get outfits, that's content that people like. So my my thing with that stuff, I think what it really comes down to it is it's you're nickel and diming your customers at that point. 
but you don't. I don't like that. Okay, I, I, but nobody's forcing you to buy it. But you're, you buy the content that you like to play. If you like Call wait, of Duty, okay, 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 okay. Wait, I googled it. I googled it. Daddy Google's gonna settle this. Technically, Genshin Impact, you are correct, is a live service game. Yeah, it is a live service game. That is correct. A game that a game that kind of rewards you for coming back every week is a live service game. Yeah, I would agree with that. So if you need, if you want content, but there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Yeah, I. But that's kind of service game. Okay, so I think really, Kill the Justice League has content where it's like, oh, you know, play this week, and we have you have. Uh, Here's, a, here's an example. For Arkham Asylum, I believe, you fight Calendar Man. He's one of the villains. Now, Arkham Asylum Arkham is City. not Arkham City. Arkham City. Arkham City is not a live service game at all. It's not. But on, if you fought Calendar Man on Christmas, there was if you went to talk there to him... There was an man, achievement to go back and visit him 10 different days. Every holiday, that's, that's not a live service game, but that's live service as content. So, so what I'm saying is if Kill the Justice League has content like that, where it's like, man, I really love this game. I wish there was more for it. I buy a battle pass for however much it costs, and I can come back next month and play the game more that I like. Now, if I don't, I don't have to, you know, it's... it's. So let me let me kind of even zero in a little bit more on what my problem is, because I see what you're saying about a live service game. I understand the, the element of there being a little something new to do every week. I get that. If you really love it, If that's the game great. is good. Sure. My thing is, the part of the live service model that I don't like is when you have the marketplaces and just... Again, for me, it really comes down to the two big things: the nickel and diming, and the marketplaces that go into you know that go into these games, and then also the structure of the games. And we're going to talk about Avengers, but you know I don't want to get too much into it. But I really enjoyed. I I would go as far as to say I fucking loved the first eight hours of Avengers. Loved it. And then like we'll talk about it, but then after that, completely changes. And it's things like that I can't get behind. And then the marketplace stuff, like, yeah, that's true. I don't need to go and buy every single cosmetic item. But it it does it, it does make you feel a little left out. Like I buy a lot of different games. I have to I budget my game purchases out. I don't have the money to just buy a game and then continue to pour money into a game. I just don't have that kind of money. And like some people, like you said, they buy that one game and they play that game. Yeah, so but, sure. but I feel I feel like as a customer, I'm missing out because like, let's say, I don't know, like, for the purpose of this game, let's say Harley Quinn has some really dope costumes that are locked behind, you know, microtransactions. I think that's kind of lame. I remember when wait, you used to wait, wait, play wait. a game, and those were just there. And I'm also okay with expansions, because expansions are kind of bulked into, like, 20 bucks, here you go, yeah. here's a shit ton of content. Yeah. As opposed to, like, I guarantee you, for most of these live service games, if you look at the marketplace and each of those items and you add them up, they would be exorbitantly more money than a regular size expansion would be. And I don't like that. I don't like that. I think that's scum. So, so let me, I just found a quote, and I think it kind of surmises, and we'll put a nice little bow on this conversation. Uh, it is from the Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, blah, 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 digitaltrends.com. Uh, many live services game entice players with content that can feel manipulative, hollow, and designed to keep players hooked. That is both your points. And then this is Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak does not offer players countless hours or, or end an endless commitment. The only thing it wants to give you is just another moment in Monster Hunter Rise. And I very much like that. It's, it's, a, it's manipulation hollow. And designed to keep players hooked, which is what Rome's saying. And then you have Dev on the other side saying the uh, moments. 
you're you're yeah. and this is where I originally said you're both wrong and you're both right. Sure. Because how many times did we did, how long did we play Destiny One? Me and you Forrest. Uh I don't know, whenever you played. I mean yeah. I got lost ninety percent of the time, so I would just say you're playing two two players. Yeah, but you played it for so long because there was always new stuff to go back to. And we didn't we didn't buy a battle pass or anything. They just kept updating the game. It was it was cool. So again, I'm not yeah. gonna go out and say that the entire model, like and like no game does that model justice. I haven't played Destiny, but I will believe you when you tell me that Destiny's a good game because I think you're a smart guy for the most part, except for your take, except for a few few takes. But but it's just like like he said, like Forrest said, it's hollow moments. You're keeping the player going with hollow moments. Yeah. And like that's and that's how they're nickel and diming you. That's well most well then what's the re why are all of these live service games like most of these live service games, why do they do that then? Like what? Well, I mean, I'm just gonna say Avengers, Anthem. Those are the big two. You're naming bad games. You're naming bad games. They're not. It's not even their bad. He's live naming, You're he's just naming games, games that became bad because of the live service. Exactly. The hours of Avengers is incredible. I've heard differently. Well, I've heard differently. It's 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 a bad game. It's a good game for the first eight hours, and then they're like, oh hey. Live service and it sucks. After that, it absolutely sucks. Yeah, I will. I will go at Rome on that one. They kind of you hit a wall where they're, yeah. they're like, "There's a game," and yep. then the game is good, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this." Mm -hmm. it, it's it's like getting an ad shoved in your face in between. Like, uh, I'm trying to think what who has. Uh, there's a commercial that I mean, there's a station that ha that plays technically the most commercials out of any station. Um, and it's exhausting to actually watch this channel, and I forget what it is. But it's like chronically getting bombarded with like, "Hey, you want to buy Thor's Mjolnir DLC for five bucks, and it'll let you shoot lightning out of his butt for two minutes sometimes." But that's, that's manipulative and hollow. But most of the games are bad. That's the point. But they're not. You just named two bad ones. That's it. Anthem was bad though. Anthem was, was really Anthem bad. was literally a tech demo that they tried to make into a full live service game. It it wasn't ready. It's they literally took, they literally took a an excellent developer in Bioware. Yeah, and, and they put them on a fucking death march. No, I agree with you. It's a thing, but that's, that's, and it's just terrible. Yeah, that was just horrible. But those are just bad games. I rest my case. You 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 resting your case on two bad games. You're not resting your case on two bad live service games. They're bad live service games. They're bad live yeah. service. Games. What else? There's there's more. more. There are way more good games out there than there are bad. You're saying most, and it's not most. I would argue that Anthem, if it had been made into a regular game, a non-live service game, that game would have been good. That game looked incredible when it, they were showing it, that it, game off. Absolutely, but it was a tech demo. It was not a full game. And then Avengers, again, we could disagree on that. Did you play Avengers? No, but I... Okay, I promise you, I promise you, that you first eight hours is a lot of fun. And then right, afterwards, right. like Forrest says, you hit a wall, and that's the end of it. That's yeah. There, there are, but to Dev's point, there are some great live sure. service games. World of Just Warcraft, there, yeah. Final Fantasy XIV, yeah, uh, League of Legends, yeah. Dota 2. Sure. And Marvel's Fortnite, Fortnite is actually a live because of, the, because of the live service. It's just a bad game, period. This guy can't it. separate the two. No, you can't separate the two. It's a bad game. It's not the live service. Yes, yeah, go ahead. We're going to wrap this up because yeah. we're not going anywhere. It's just, just the facts. On. Just move on. We are going to. I love it here.
This, by the way, this was the content Forrest was begging you to get on the show for. Yes, yes, it was. It was good. This was peak content. And I did, I did tell producer Jeff that this would happen too. Eventually, it was just a matter of time. Um. Anyways, real quick before your next uh, topic, um, yeah. 49ers just scored a touchdown and they gave the ball to Jerry Rice. It was awesome. Cool. <laughs> What's the score? Sixteen nine. All right. Warzone, Counter Strike. All right. Overwatch. Well, another major trade organization is now backing the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. Uh, we're not going to stay too long on this one, but the European Games Developer Federation, or EGDF, um, is supporting the acquisition. Um, there, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of really all there is to it. It's just a quick little update. They say. Uh, the EGDF supports Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition as its potential positive impacts on the competition in game markets in general outweigh the limited console and subscription market specific competition concerns. Furthermore, in the console game markets, Sony is a clear market leader with its PlayStation platform and Microsoft is still in a challenger position. Uh, I thought this was great that European game developers are coming out and saying this. Cool. We should probably listen to them. They're as the ones that it, make these games. As long as it's the closing deal, I don't care anymore. Yeah, I it's like it's like I'm tired of this, Grandpa. Well, that's just too damn bad. Yeah. Oh man, that's really good. Uh, but that's all on that front. Luckily, there's actually not a lot of Activision news this week, so yay, I guess. Yay. <laughs> Balloons. There's a there's a showcase on Wednesday, right? The Xbox showcase, yeah, is on Wednesday. Ooh. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Fortnite is getting a Dead Space collab planned for this month. Uh, it's going to be taking place, according to this, tomorrow on January 23rd. Um, it will release prior to the Dead Space remake. Uh, let's see. I got to say, though, Dead, I mean, Dead Space, uh, Fortnite is killing it with these collabs, man. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, that's a They're great like, live service game. Yeah, it is a great live service game. Right. Yeah, so live service games can be good. They can be under yeah. the right genre. Mm-hmm. Under the right genre, sure. Yeah. 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 Never said that. <laughs> um, we don't really know a lot about it, uh, but it's it's going to be a part of the Fortnite. Uh, I think he's getting like a plasma pickaxe, plasma scythe pickaxe or something. Uh, it like it's, yeah, it looks like it's going to be uh, an outfit, two backpacks, a pickaxe, a building emote. Um, it's going to be a dead space drop, and it's going to come with fifteen hundred V bucks. Oh, and the uh, what's it? The 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 My Hero Academia one was actually pretty cool too. Yeah, I think Fortnite does a lot of cool things. Again, that is a genre that I think does the live service model really well. I mean, um, they gave I, us Naruto I, with AK forty seven as a meme, and that's hilarious. I mean, I, I think that it still isn't the model for me personally. I mean, I like to have a game that has a beginning, middle, and, and an end. Yeah. But I, I do enjoy Battle Royales. I just don't like the building. That's why I've never really played Fortnite. Like, I played they, it once. There's no build mode. There's no build mode now. I got rid of it. it. rocketed for a while when, well, when they added that. Yeah. That's interesting. Maybe I will check it out then. I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking of checking it out too. There's a no build mode where you, it's just old school. Like, you just get to play with all the skins and, like, you can do Kamehamehas and you can do uh, United States of Smash. That's it's dope. Yeah, it's I'll dope. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll check it out. Um, let's jump over to the Jack real quick. Um, let's see. 
Oh, Jamie. Jamie says that they're that they're really enjoying our debate about live service teams. <laughs> says that all three of us are so passionate. Really appreciate that, Jamie. Jamie, if you enjoy that discussion, there's going to be more in the future. Please hit that subscribe button. Please stick around and hang out with our tiers. Oh, what was that, Jeff? No, I said it was literally. It's literally every show. It, it will be every. It will be almost every show. Yeah. Um. Uh, Jamie also says that they understand that the argument when it comes to Call of Duty, which is why they think Call of Duty should be its own parent company, have Activision be bought by Microsoft, but keep COD out of it to keep everyone happy. My problem with that is that Activision is a horribly run company um, with all the harassment. I think that third-party publishers um, are... Oh, Jamie, subscribe. Thank you so much, Jamie. Um, third-party publishers are a huge problem in the games industry. I mean, can we agree on that, Def? That these third-party publishers they're generally not well run like third party like i'm talking ea activision ubisoft oh, yeah, yeah like it's just a lot of bad always, stuff yeah, always you always hear something of coming out of right with them. Yes. jamie's been subbed for months oh my god jamie you rock um look at that look at that top tier top tier look at that jamie, yeah jamie rocks um but so yeah it's just you, you gotta have activision i i support all of the big three buying these third-party publishers. Not because consolidating the industry is good, but because these these third-party publishers have proven that they cannot run themselves. They just can't. Like Ubisoft, Activision, EA, these companies have done a terrible job at running themselves in the modern day. Even if they don't get bought, I, I think Union, you, you, Union, Union, yes. That would really help. I really agree with that too, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but I mean... Because there's something, there's something, I don't know, to me it feels like there's something cool about having that freedom, like mm-hmm. that, let them, let them be a third-party develop, like publisher, just like, there's some, there needs some, there needs to be some control. Yeah. In management. Yeah, I mean, but again, like, that's, yeah, you know. Uh, all right, let's talk about Forspoken, guys. Comes out this week. <laughs> there, there is some bad, yeah. bad omens about this game coming out, so... Which, number one, I actually learned this past week, it's a timed exclusive. It's coming out on Xbox in two years. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know that either. It seems like PlayStation has once again opened the checkbook, but nobody has said anything about this. Yeah. Love to see it. Double standards. It's amazing. Uh, Call of Duty, but okay. <laughs> anyways, uh, so the following came from Twitter. Um, it originally was uh, Andy Robinson from VGC, um, but also Skill Up, who's a really awesome YouTube channel. I think you watch Skill Up, right? No. I thought one of you guys did. Oh, skill up's really great. Um, but basically, they were talking about this. Uh, a lot of major reviewer outlet reviewers slash outlets did not get review codes in advance for Forspoken. Um, this is generally a really bad sign for games coming mm-hmm. out. Um, it generally means that the that in this case, I believe it's Square Enix. Square Enix does not want reviewers talking about this game before it comes out. Yeah, that's, and that's yeah. never a good thing. That's did they never... send out? Well, hold on. Square Enix be funky sometimes. Uh, did they send out review copies of uh, Reunion? Reunion? Oh, Crisis Core. Yeah. Um, I think so. Then yeah, no, you're right. All right. I don't. I don't recall off the top of my head because I was last month. That was December. Um, to me, this this just seems weird. Mostly because they put out a demo, or I guess an alpha, or whatever you want to call it, beta. And it was pretty good. So it's like, what are you hiding? People have played your game already. What do you, like? What more is there? Only the beta was good. Everything after the beta is bad. <laughs> the 
Yeah, it's just like Avengers. It's just like Avengers after the first few hours. The first eight hours. In a wall. It's a possibility, yeah. And then it oh, really but... turns into a lot sir. It honestly could just be a weird move on their part. It, but it, it is a bad woman. It is like a. It makes you think twice. Yeah, I mean, well, and the concerning thing is again going back to what Skillup tweets. So Skillup, re, re, you know, quote tweets Andy Robinson, who said VGC will not have a review up Monday, which is tomorrow, um, because they did not receive a review code. Skillup goes on to say that he had heard that about seven major outlets slash reviewers did not get codes for this. And when you say major for me, like that's kind of like a red flag. Yeah. Like who does who like. Is like, is it going to be like IGN posting a review by themselves tomorrow? Like, like what are we looking at? Because if you're talking Monday, like, I think we're gonna, it's down in the notes, but Forspoken comes out this week. It comes out the 20, it comes out on Tuesday. Yeah, it comes out Tuesday. So it's a little weird. Yeah, that's, that's a bad look and it's pretty bad. Um, going down onto the, you know, responses, Tom Warren, who I believe he works at The Verge. Said the PC requirements tell you everything you need to know. Jez Corden says higher PC requirements than Chrome SMH. Um, <laughs> this is starting to sound like a Cyberpunk '77 thing, where if your if your equipment isn't up to par, you're gonna have a bad time. What's it gonna look like on a PS5? Yeah, you like, could be developing for the PS5. Well, like, here's here's my next point because Cyberpunk kind of did the same thing where yeah. they sent out next gen codes, preferably. They yeah. didn't want to send out the, the the last gen codes. Yeah. So, so like, if this game's coming out, if it, if this game isn't gonna run well on PC, you would think they're they're pushing. No, this is just PS5 and PC on Tuesday, oh, that's and then in two years Xbox. That's worrying. Unless they're afraid that you're you're a bad PC. But, but again, then send out PS5 codes. Yeah, you can still review the game because reviewers always say like, "Oh, this is this was reviewed on the PS5." What if Xbox was like, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll wait two years. It's fine. Like yeah, I saw we'll the game. It'll be, it'll be good in two years. This runs good on PS5. Uh, run, maybe run two years to fix that." Oh. Yeah, the Xbox Series X is more powerful, so you would have to assume it would run better on the Series X. This is weird. We'll have to see. We'll... We'll yeah. hear about it. We'll hear about it in, in days. We'll probably be talking about it next week. But I did see that the requirements for it's a pretty beefy game. Like mm. capped frame rates? Uh it's probably capped, but it's probably capped at like 120. I didn't read it. I didn't read the requirements. Mm. All right. Moving on. We got uh, kind of a two-parter here. I thought this was pretty uh pretty interesting. So game developers were polled about uh, a list of topics. And then two of the big ones were harassment from players and uh, the, the metaverse and the blockchain. So let's, let's talk about first uh, the player harassment. The following comes from Axios. Uh, harassment threats and other toxic behavior from players are taking their toll on people who make games, according to a new poll. More than 75% of game creators responding to the 11th annual State of the Game Industry Survey said it is a serious or very serious issue, according to data released uh, this past week. The poll was conducted with more than 2,300 game developers from around the world and has a 3% margin of error, according to its organizers at the GDC, um, which is the Game Developers Conference, and affiliate publication, Game Developer. 40% of respondents said they, they had experienced harassment directly, more so among respondents who were not men or who identify as LGBTQ+. What's 68, what was it? Sorry, no, continue. Oh, okay, sorry. 
Uh, 60% of respondents said their company did something about it. A fifth said their company did nothing about it. Uh, threats against game makers from players have been an unwelcome burden for workers in the industry for over a decade. Developers have reported harassment for anything from delaying a game to changing a feature to expressing preference for developing stories instead of content. The harassment is often targeted developers who are women, trans, or otherwise members of unrepresented groups in gaming. Um, uh, the developers went on to say the companies need to take it seriously, one survey taker said in remarks shared by organizers. I received death threats and they contacted my family on social media, but the company I worked for ignored my concerns. Another quote, large companies seem to fear that their toxic players are their fan base without appreciating that they're impacting much larger numbers of their actual fan base. Another server, survey taker shared. Some threw up their hands, calling harassers an inevitable vocal minority or suggesting that listening to player complaints can stave off a lot of abuse. But another noted, we also need to stop inviting the community to be part of the family. You're part of the conversation. You get to offer an opinion, but you don't get to demand everything goes your way. Seems fair. While surveys help uh, quantify the amount of concern game creators have over player toxicity, the number of game creators it has driven from the field is much harder to know, according to Axios. Um, this reminded me of the story from last year with the God of War Ragnarok release date. Yeah. And there was a rumor like, oh, they're going to release, they're going to announce the release date for Ragnarok. And then it, that date passed. And Sony Santa Monica and Corey Balrog had to come out and say, like, yo, like, like they were getting death threats at the studio. Yeah. Like, like what is wrong with people? Like, like I, I'm not trying to paint a Sony thing because I think all fan bases have their toxicity. But it's like, man, like it's just it's really bad out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, three for three has been getting a lot of it too. Uh, last year when they when they when they told, said that Forge would be pushed back, mm -hmm. that that was that was bad. They got death threats for that. I think they had to put out a like one thing for that as well. Yeah. It, it, it's just it's insane. Yeah, it it's, insane. It's it's ridiculous. You shouldn't you shouldn't be getting death threats to make a game better to make a game better for you for you know they're making it for us. Uh, it's just weird. I'm just going to jump in for a second on this one because my opinion is probably not the greatest, but this happens in just about everything nowadays. Sports, sports players get death threats all the time. You know, it, 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 it's just, it's a product of this new social media where everybody thinks they're, uh, you know, they're a keyboard warrior. You know what I mean? Oh, you're right, Jeff, actually. You know, it, it happens everywhere. I'm not just excluding, I'm not just, you know, excluding everything else, but I mean, it's disgusting. It shouldn't happen. And people need to be, need to grow the fuck up. Yeah, like, I wasn't downplaying it. I was saying this happens all over the place. You know? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, man. Um, or what do you what do you think? Um, leave leave your create leave the creators alone. Let them do what they want to do, and uh, uh, you take the game that they give you and shut up. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. If you don't want it, don't spend your money on it. Yeah, Ta da! Problem yeah. solved. I always remember also the, the the Mass Effect 3 thing back in the day when it was like people were so upset about that ending and like some people did something cool like they said like some people sent cupcakes to the to Bioware but like some people were sending death threats then too and it's just like you didn't like the ending of a trilogy of video games so you decided to send death threats to a develop to the developers. Yeah, that is weird. I think... Like I like it's concerning to me that like in someone's mental state 
that seems like a justifiable response. I you know what I mean? You remember The Last of Us 2. That was, that was a whole... That was really bad, too. Yeah. I'm sending death threats to people who like the game. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna say it, but again, that's another PlayStation fan base. I mean, but it happens at every... It every does happen, but I mean, it, 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 it happens. It happens. The wild gets pushed back. It's always... You know, it's just... It's just weird. It's just weird people. It's very weird. Yeah. Wild. It's all no. wild. Like, it, it, like, I could never... Even if I ever, like... I got let's say I got through a game or trilogy, whatever, and the ending just sucked. It was just dog shit. And I was just like, Okay. That that sucked. Well, whatever. Yeah, the like, and then if somebody don't... you keep I keep my opinions to myself and then like or I'll tweet. I'll just do a singular tweet. I'm not tagging them. I'm not directly DMing them. I'll be like, Man, well, that sucked. That was a waste of three years. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Say, saying that the person who made this game should die that is is it's just it's wild it's just it's so ridiculous yeah all right well let's touch on the other uh the other part of the state of the games industry survey uh game developers are not sold on the metaverse or blockchain i'm so surprised by this are you really no that was sorry that was absolutely <laughs> sorry like, no, I can't believe that game developers are, are against some things that are literally making video games worse. Like, oh, wow. Oh, man. I had no idea. Live service games, too. Uh, as commonplace as it is to become, uh, to see uh, big, bold speculations about a futuristic metaverse in the games industry discussions, game developers themselves don't seem too hot on the concept. Um Let's see. It says, which of these companies' platforms do you think is best placed to deliver the promise on a metaverse concept? Uh, the platform that got the most votes was Epic Games' Fortnite with 14%, yeah. Yeah. followed by Meta at 7%, Microsoft and with Minecraft at 7%. 5% of developers said Roblox, and even fewer brought up options like Google, Apple, Second Life, Sony, Tencent, Amazon, and VR Chat. But nothing got anywhere near as many votes as an answer that isn't a platform at all. None. The metaverse concept will never deliver on its promise, which took away. Dev, do you have the link open? Don't open it if you didn't. Okay, I didn't. How? What do you think is the percentage of game developers out of 2,300 that think that the metaverse will never deliver on its promise? Probably, I would say half. Okay, fourth. What do you think? Eighty-nine percent. Okay, that, that's a bit high, but Dev is Dev is a little bit closer. Jeff, do you want to take a take a shot at this or? Okay, that was just going to win this game. Uh, 45%. 45% voted that, which is up from 33% last year. Uh, so basically almost half of game developers surveyed don't think the metaverse promise is worth much at all. Uh, IGN doesn't have access to the survey answers. They're the ones that reported these, uh, these stats. Um, but GDC and game developer did publish a handful of comments submitted by respondents that can shed some light. In particular, the question... What does the metaverse need to become sustainable? Included a lengthy response from one survey taker that per GDC seemed to represent the voices of a significant majority of respondents. The, res the response focused on the metaverse as a VR experience, noting that VR environments were currently missing levels of interactivity, affordability, control standardization, and hardware quality necessary to make the metaverse a reality. Yeah, really good. It is really good. The respondent also pointed out that even with all that, there still wasn't a clear definition of what the metaverse was supposed to be. Um, 
they go on to say the metaverse promise as it stands is nothing they wrote the people trying to sell it have no idea what it is and neither do the consumers remember what happened and remember what happened and keeps happening with cloud gaming a decade ago other respondents commented comments noted that the metaverse already existed effectively and companies just kept rebranding it and one comment suggested it simply shouldn't exist at all <laughs> the metaverse has been discussed a great deal certainly plenty of money has flowed in to make it happen in recent years companies like meta have also lost a lot of money as their bets have failed to pay off leading even industry leaders to question whether it's worth the cost or not Alongside the metaverse question, the survey also asked developers uh, in other interests in technology, such as blockchain. Um, how many, okay, here we go, we're in round two. How many, what do you think is the percentage of developers who said they were, is a two-parter? What was the percentage of developers that said that they weren't interested at all? And what do you think is the percentage that were outright opposed to it? Dev, you go. This is gonna be higher than 50%. This, I think this is like 75%. Okay, for the for the blockchain for for not being interested or opposing it. I guess for not being interested. Okay. Be, yeah, I think that's going to be like seventy five. Okay, and then opposing. Six. Opposing, I think it's going to be. I don't know. I think together combined, they're like it's like eighty percent of the the vote. Well, sure, but you got to keep in mind. Oh yeah. Um, Forrest, what do you think? It's it's not interested in blockchain or NFT. Yeah blockchain it's blockchain specifically yes uh i'm gonna actually say it's low i'm gonna say like 12 percent aren't interested and then like uh was was the and just don't want anything to do with it i'll say probably like a quarter so like 25 all right well uh dev is winning again uh he actually hit the nail right on the head with the first number uh 75 of respondents said they weren't interested at all uh, 56% were outright opposed to the use of blockchain in video game development. Oh, in video game development? I thought you just meant in general. Oh, no, video games. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. Okay, got gotcha. it. I was like, regular blockchain, good. Uh, additionally, developers were asked about the workplace culture and policies. 16% uh, said that their companies had facil facilitated changes to healthcare policies related to reproductive care in the last year in a question that was asked in response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, and 9% said their companies had improved their trans-inclusive healthcare policies. Uh, working hours has always been a big topic in these surveys. Uh, in this year's survey, 29% of respondents said that they worked an average of 36 to 40 hours a week. 33% worked less on average, while 38% worked more. Um, but when asked about maximum hours per week, they had worked in a single week. 46% said they had worked over 50, and 16% had worked over 70 in a single week. Um, it's crunch. It's basically crunch. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, we're working on a game, we're doing full-time hours, and then a month before launch, or whatever, two months, 70-hour work weeks. Um, among reasons cited were self-pressure, 74%, management pressure, 14%, and peer pressure, 11%, while 36% said they didn't feel that they worked excessively. 54% uh, of respondents did not report ever working more than 50 hours in a single week. All right, let's hop back over to the chat and see what we got going on here. Anthony Manzano is here. Hi, guys. Hey, what's going on, Anthony? How are you doing tonight? Um, I remember Anthony from the big uh, WWE sale live stream. 
Uh, Jamie the Comic also says, uh, there are better ways to voice opinions and death threats shouldn't be one of those. Uh, there's only one way a metaverse NFT would work in a video game setting, and that is creating a unique character profile that follows you through every game and platform. Which that is a metaverse. Anthony was playing along with us. He guessed 45%, so he was pretty close on that as well. Um, so, I mean, for me, like, I, I hear what Jamie's saying here. I, I think that the, my biggest issue with that is that it's easily corruptible by game publishers, so I don't support it at all. What do you, what do you mean by that? So, like, Jamie's saying... Um, creating a unique character profile that follows you through every game and platform. I just feel like I don't trust game publishers to not monetize that in a way that doesn't benefit players. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's I be like, I could be like, Hey, do you want to import your character from the metaverse to, to this, to the next game? Well, that's going to be 20 bucks. And I'm like, no, fuck so, that. So the reason I, I disagree is, is simply because, Roblox. Roblox is a, I'm going to use Roblox as an example because I think that's probably the closest we have to a metaverse at the moment. Like I know Riot is is also pretty close, and but I think Roblox does it really well, where you create a character and then you just play apps with that character. With so if you want to play, if you want to go to a cafe and drink tea with your friends, you do that. If you want to play tag with your friends, you can do that. If you want to play a shooter with your friends, you can go to another app with that character and do that. And it, your oh. your outfits follow you, and you're still that same character doing a bunch of things. So that what does that have to do with blockchain? Is that how it's being done? No, so the, where the blockchain comes in is you you put in now when you go to buy tea with your friends, you're putting in real money. So you have a virtual wallet essentially. And wait, wait, wait. I'm buying digital tea. Hell yeah. <laughs> if that's what you're into, you know. So so Forrest, we were we were actually hanging out before we, we went live here. Dev obviously is sitting right next to me. And I was watching some TikToks while we were watching the football game. And there was this guy on TikTok. He spent $3,000 worth of Dogecoin to buy a virtual living space. Yeah. And I'm like, he spent $3,000 on a virtual living space. I mean, yeah. Like, that. that is just so... That's not okay. I'm sorry. You like, you could just you could just uh, log out. Yeah, yeah, touch grass. Like at that point, like touch grass, yeah. please. That's, touch grass. Uh, yeah, that is a big touch grass energy moment. Um, Huge touch grass, and I'm not a touch grass kind of guy. But no, that's but... definitely on the more extreme side. That's that's. But it's things like that that are easily exploitable. So the reason I say it's not exploitable. exploitable we'll go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so Jamie says that they have to bounce. Uh, it was fun finally being able to watch one of these live. Thanks for the entertainment and chat. Have fun. Jamie, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thanks for being here, Jamie. Yeah. Come, come back and check out the rest of the pod, even if you can't catch it live. You know, it will be here on, on the YouTube channel. Yeah. Jamie's awesome. Anyways, Dev, you were saying. Oh, so, so the one, the reason I say it's not as exploitable as you may think is because of, uh, if it gets better, hopefully, competition. Uh, that's 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 it. Where where one company will say you if you want to bring your avatar in, you got to pay you know twenty dollars. Right now, all that stuff on Meta is free, but it, I mean it's not good right now. But if they can continue making partnerships with other companies, it'll be more of you don't have to bring your you don't have to pay to bring your character in. But if you come in, maybe you want to buy a jacket, a virtual jacket for your avatar, or you know you get a VIP pin. You know, it's, like, it's okay, okay. So so okay. All right. So. You want it to be free. Let me let me jump in here. I don't need a blockchain for that. That is just just pick a in-game currency and convert it whatever. You know, I'll use right if I want the really cool jacket, I'd rather spend real money. Yeah. Like, you know, because there's no because this is like, I like think the a blockchain. Universe, 
to a blockchain is just essentially a giant receipt, right? If my understanding of a blockchain is correct, it's just a giant receipt of just everything you do with uh, crypto. Sure, for it to have access to it so you could spend Dogecoin to buy your virtual house, which is stupid. But, I mean, realistically, what difference is that than you uh, buying a house in the uh, pay-to-win video game where you had to buy the aesthetics of that special... Like, it's a special DLC. Okay, wait, wait, no, let's simplify this. Let's simplify this. Uh, let's use a real-life example. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise, they have purchasable DLC for uh, your weapons. You can put a skin on your weapons, layered armor. It has no effect on the game bearing whatsoever. It's purely aesthetic. Let's just say the house is purely aesthetic as well. Um, if you... If it... Having access to a blockchain is fine, but... Forcing me to use a blockchain to do currency in there? I don't like that. Also, piggybacking off of that, um, the blockchain, like, why can't I just directly purchase their currency and use in-game? Because that's essentially what it's doing with the blockchain anyway. It's just, it's recorded on the blockchain that you wasted your Dogecoin on a, a, virtual, uh, a virtual sword skin. Like... Okay, so, or I could just use my PayPal and get the same virtual skin. I don't see why it would be a blockchain. I don't, I also don't like the blockchain, but the reason I think it could help is in instances where if we look at Riot Games, let's say you buy, you buy V-Bucks for Fortnite, and you don't spend it all, you have some left, and you want to spend that maybe in League of Legends. You, so it's kind of like a universal currency that... that okay, so now that's different. Okay. No, so that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. You can use V bucks on League of Legends. You, it's a, it's a. Universe. But those already existed. It's kind of like in the past where like you used to be able to buy Microsoft points or or yeah. um, PlayStation points or yeah, Wii yeah. points. Yeah. It's to say that concept exists, and that's fine. I don't have an issue with that concept. Yeah. yeah. But again, I think my thing for me is with a lot of the technology and stuff. I understand that there could be an upside to it. But I think it is so easily corruptible, and there's so right. many ways you could just screw the customer yeah. over that it's, it's not worth doing. In my I mean, opinion. you could say that about anything, though. That it, the thing about the metaverse is it's going to happen. Maybe it, it's, like, it's one of those things where it's it's kind of inevitable. It's going to happen. Like it's just. Yeah. yeah. It's a giant receipt. Yep. We've discussed this in the past, Jeff, where it's like, for me, creating digital scarcity and selling it, I don't think that that's okay. I, I, I don't think that's okay. You can infinitely create 
a digital thing. As we've, you know, we, I, we've talked about it before, but since Devin Age and Forrest are here, um, like, for example, I could pick a rare game. Let's just, I'm just grabbing one. GameCube. Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil, Resident Evil 4 for the GameCube. They are not making this anymore. This game has a value on the market, and it is worth a set amount of money. I'm not sure what it's worth right now. But it has a value. And this value is going to be dictated by the market itself, sure. But you can't, I can't go and sell this. Like, you're creating digital scarcity. This game has scarcity because it's 20-plus years old. Like, for a digital... Huh? Right, that's what I'm saying. That's why, that's why I'm saying you could justify selling something like this. You can justify selling it, and you could justify the price fluctuating up or down depending on how many copies are being sold, things like that. When you're talking about a digital thing, for example, let's say I went and bought Fire Emblem Engage on a digital. That's $60. That is the base game, and apart from it maybe going down due to age, like this should never digitally go up in price. Yeah, no. Yeah, I know. I understand. I hear the argument. It's also like what he was, what Jess was saying. That's a very specific case where, like, digital real estate is very weird right now. And I agree with. I do agree with Rome. That's even like, more wild west than um than coins. Yeah. So so yeah. like so like that's like very niche and like that 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 the example of that, it's like someone who buys a game, and has to get every outfit or like, you know spend. The whales, I think they call the whales, them. Right? They call yeah. them whales. Yes. Got the whales. So yeah. So like we want I don't think either of us, anybody in this group would have a was gonna have an issue with that. That's more the extreme side. I think the other stuff that like the way Jeff said, it, it's it's security that you're that you're buying. It's so that you can't get screwed over from a company. All those the the exploits that you're worried about won't happen because of that. And it, it's 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 tricky right now because not a lot of people know what it is or how to use it or how it can be in, implemented into the metaverse or other games. Mm. Yeah, I I mean, if they're gonna like, okay, so the blockchain, it, it, it also like, how are they gonna use the blockchain? It's kind of let's go back to the original topic. Um, uh, also, your your game is essentially an investment, and all this is actually just investments. All this is just boils down to is they are stocks. You just somebody uses digital coins, you're using physical video game discs. Absolutely, yeah, I understand. That. You know, yeah. and that that's what that boils down to. But that. That's that's aside. I I want to know how they're going to implement the blockchain in game development. Yeah, that's what I don't think. I can't. I, in my brain, cannot put together where that's going to go, um, or how that's going to be used. So what? It's a receipt. So so let's just assume based on uh, producer Jeff's uh, description of a blockchain 
they're going to have a blockchain that shows the production so that like this glitch showed up here so then they had to go back here now it's back here so there's just gonna be a record of everything that went through the production cycle that just sounds like more work for them yeah it's not worth it um can you kind of elaborate with the blockchain because i think you're pretty well educated you know you, okay. you you know what this stuff is so when a blockchain um when somebody purchases a bitcoin that purchase is logged in the ledger who purchased it and who sold it is logged in there right now it doesn't log your name it only logs your address to your wallet so they don't know like the exact person but they know the wallet that it came from and the wallet that it went to um it's impossible for somebody to jump in the middle and steal it in the middle of the transaction um it's impossible to literally it's impossible to get into someone's wallet without having them give you access to it you know what i mean that's why there's all these crypto scams on all these live videos you see they have to get access somehow um so essentially when you what i'm saying about the blockchain here would be more for items in game so the moment you purchase an in-game item there's going to be a log of you buying that item when you bought it you know and what what you paid for it and then when you go to sell that item in the future it's going to have for you listing what you paid for it and what you sold for it so you can actually have a tracker for yourself of you know how much percentage you made on you know profit there see that that's where i haven't i I, I don't don't like that well let me let me oh sorry let me give you guys an example that has existed for almost 15 years now counter-strike counter-strike they have literally been doing i can't tell you if it's been on a blockchain but they do exactly what the idea of the blockchain is you buy items and you can resell them for higher than you bought them for. Yeah. That's, that's the whole point. I think FIFA had something like that too. So I understand that my, my thing is, is, and then that's where it comes in where I like that for me is absolute like the worst thing. And I know that mm-hmm. Jeff and I have discussed it, but like, again, I think selling digital content, reselling of digital content is absurd to me. Well, like, yeah. okay. it's, it's uh, definitely it's, a new concept. It's a, it's a so simple got, copy thing or like, getting a key for it, it's, you know what I mean? I, I, I can't get behind digital reselling. I think, so we were talking about where, where it fits in games. I think right now, the best place for that kind of stuff is uh, MMOs. If you imagine a game like no. World of Warcraft, where you can farm or, you know, you spend a lot of time building this weapon. You have to, you know, be a certain level. Sure. You have to get the items oh. and everything. You built this gun or this sword or whatever. And now you can resell it. You can, you know, it's it's one of those things where the game gives you all the materials. The players have to make it, and then the oh, players are you? RuneScape had like a whole marketplace. Well, so here's like, my second. Here's my thing. I'm talking more so because Jeff and I have discussed it about real life currency in this in in reselling of digital items. I don't have an issue with say like RuneScape because I played RuneScape a lot too. I'm okay with going. I remember going to the to the stock exchange or the market and just having millions of people selling mithril armor. I remember yeah, yeah. that. That's fine. But what it's, I'm saying is, it's, when, it, real money gets it's when real money gets involved. I think that it's like, for example, I would oh. ne- like. I think it would be super crazy and super shitty to, for example, in RuneScape, if somebody instead of was like saying like selling mithril armor for thirty thousand gold. Okay, well that's in-game item for in-game currency that isn't like I don't at least they've changed in the recent years I don't know but back then that in-game currency was found in-game and you did not use real money to acquire that I think that that's fine I think that that's an in-game economy and I think that's perfectly cool but what I'm saying right. is and, and Jeff is I'm more so going off Jeff and I've had a previous conversation yeah. in the past where like say you buy a skin and then years down the line you don't play the game anymore you want to sell it back 
And you, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that that's the way that digital content should work. Okay. I think it's something that like, so, again, it's, it's all scarcity. Like that's like, how are you dictating a price of a digital item? It just doesn't, it doesn't seem feasible. Like, I guess you're fair. Like, limited edition skins and stuff like that. It is. But I don't like that because it's all digital. How yeah. can you have a limited edition skin and then turn around and sell it for money when it's a, it's a forced scarcity. Resident Evil 4 for the GameCube does, it has a scarcity problem, but that's because the GameCube came out 25 years ago and it discontinued. Yeah. It is a physical thing. They stopped right. printing. Whereas a, like, again, we're going to go with RuneScape. Uh, a set of Mithril armor can be crafted, can be made, or even let's say you had to buy it in-game. I just don't think you should be able to go onto a marketplace and sell it for real currency. Also, I think you have to worry about, like, wait, what was the, what was the big, it was a meme. It was, uh, this is this isn't my point, but uh, the turnip market in Animal Crossing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was and like people would crash the turnip market on Tuesdays or something. Like that was the big thing. Yep. Like now, imagine doing that with actual real money, human dollar, digital money coins. That sounds horrible. If I use Jerome's example, mithril armor is, is it's different than a skin. Whereas like like I think skins skins fit. Cosmetic stuff fit very differently, and they, they kind of fit in this path where you buy it if you want it. If you don't want it, you don't buy it kind of thing. Whereas, like, game gameplay, if it was a buy-play to win, that, that kind of stuff is different. I don't. I agree that, you know, Yeah, stuff like that, though, should not be included into the game. I agree. If, you're, if, I, you're, if you want Nikes for your, for your, you know, your meta character, and, you know, there's you know nike did a limited run on these yeezys for you know there's 200 you can get and you have to rebuy it that's up to you that's your money that's your cosmetic character i just don't like i don't like that that just that just seems really because like again it stems from my issue of the limited yeezys or whatever being um digital it's digital scarcity and then someone making a profit off of digital scarcity the the concept of digital scarcity is completely bananas to me i, I get it i get it, why again that it's just it's just not feasible I it's just so, I, don't, I don't think it's i don't think it's right I let me throw one point, though where it's like okay well it's my money let me spend it how i want all right but i'm gonna i look at it as i look at it as the games industry as a whole and just how these games work and i just don't think it has a healthy place in the game yeah let I me throw one that. thing at you real quick so We've talked about this before, and Fortnite was my big big example with my skins. Mm-hmm. I have a Fortnite account that I haven't played in a, probably a year at least, and if I could sell it, I could probably make a lot of money back on some of the skins that you really can't get anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So would you have a problem if I was able to sell my skins for Fortnite points, whatever they call them now? Um, so you're saying trade your skins back in for in-game currency? Yes, but I would like to be able to set the price myself for someone else to buy it, but for in-game currency, yes. So no, because again, that goes back to the question of how can you set a price for something that doesn't, uh, how can you set a real world value for something that just doesn't exist? Like, But it does exist. I have the skin, yeah, I'm it using it. I can so hand wrong. it to you and it, you can use it. It does exist. Into, uh, economics of supply See, and you're, you're, Yeah, you're yeah. trying to get into semantics of saying that like things on the internet don't really exist. And that's like getting into the matrix shit. This, it exists. It's a physical, it's not a physical thing, but it's something that I can buy. I can spend my money on and I can use yeah. and I can see, see it. The older we get, yeah. the real life becomes. I, just, I, I understand it. I just, yeah. I don't know. It, it doesn't, doesn't do, it doesn't I see well where your arguments come from now. Again, my thing comes from the the fact that it's it's 
who is setting that market? Because again, you look at, for example, like a physical thing where so, it's like, okay, okay well, this so, is what people are selling it for. So we're like, the market's going to kind of go around. So, it. so it's, it's the same with like Pokemon cards. Why does it? Yeah, same with the cards. It's, it's, it's because there's a limited amount. Someone sets up high, someone sets a low. You kind of meet in the middle eventually based yep. on how many people want that Pokemon card. Same yeah, thing with I'm, house services. It's yeah, if I'm trying to be crazy and sell my skin for $1,000, nobody's going to buy it. I got to be yeah, fair exactly. and maybe a couple bucks more than I bought it. You know? Now, yeah, now, yeah, if Jeff I, sells I, a higher account for $1,000, oh, yeah. yeah. that's I, I understand it. I'm just... I I, why I, you don't like me it. sitting at it, it just, again, it seems like... We're getting older. <laughs> I don't think that's a good sell. It's not them getting... We're all getting older. You don't like it. You know, before, before we beat this uh, topic to death, I really like Anthony's uh, question in chat here. He says he's a big fan of the Call of Duty game series and the Halo game series. Do you think that either of those are conducive for a theme park like Universal? No. My answer is hell yeah for Call of Duty, man. Give me a bunch of laser tag type stuff and paintball games. Bring it. I think they they could be, but they're never going to happen. Oh, I mean, that's yeah, that's the big wall. I don't think it'll happen, but yeah, both of those would be really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, and then see, that's the thing. You could use your IP in other ways to make money. Like, again, like I think a lot of the games industry, not all of it, but a lot of it is a nickel and diming of your customers. You could do cool shit like that and make yeah, a lot of money. I get what Nintendo's doing. I get that. Look at Nintendo. They, had, they just came out with Mario World here or over in, or people, down in Orlando. People don't leave their house anymore. Everything's digital. Why don't you just, you don't like, you don't like that the malls are empty when we go to them. It's no, like, it, bums, it bums me out. Yeah, it bums you out. It's these things are moving digital spaces, and now and now with VR and like it's so much easier. VR chat is like, it's it's amazing. It's really fun. It's it's. See again, I'm, I think my issue is I don't have a problem with the technology existing. Like I think that if I were to get a VR thing, I would love to try like VR chat and stuff out. Yeah, yeah. And like having that VR space, I don't have an issue with it itself. I just look at it, and again, this is just this is just me. It's how I look at. It. I love video games, but I also look at the industry. I just don't know if there is a financially fair and feasible way i don't know if i'm wording that right to to have these things exist fairly in the game in the game space that that's my thing i think that's the issue i just i don't like for it to be possibly easily corruptible i understand the point on the argument with the with the reselling of digital goods i just personally still can't get behind reselling digital goods for real money i could understand a system where you're reselling a digital good for digital currency but not not real life affected currency no they, i they become I, I personally don't get they, they become they're becoming the one and the same when when you get certainly because no, when you the closer, yeah, are, the closer we get to our metaverse the closer we get to you know those things being the same yeah the same I, I have a credit card that literally uses dogecoin or bitcoin i can go to the store and use my dogecoin right now yeah so okay, I'm, I'm, yeah oh let me rephrase it i'm not saying digital currency as like dogecoin or something like that. i'm saying in in a video game currency. oh oh so that's that, what i'm saying so what i'm gonna mean, take fortnite as an example yeah if fortnite had a has a currency that cannot be affected by real life currency then yeah i think you could resell that for for an in-game amount of of, of item like i think that's fair you're you're trading a digital for another digital but i think when you bring in a real life currency to a digital space i understand that they're kind of coming together i yeah, get that yeah. but for me that's where it gets really gray and i don't feel super cool with it i get it i, I think it's more of a, i think we just need to we need to see more of it and we need to see it working well like for example like i i think it would be interesting to have a system like and this is the same system just not using real life money like let's say jeff wants to uh, unload some of those digital re some of those the digital skins 
maybe there's newer skins. You know what I mean? Or maybe there's some sort of in-game cosmetic that he really wants. And, like, maybe they say where it's like, okay, well, this player has this and do a trade. That's fine. I don't have an issue with that. Again, I just, I don't want to see gaming, I don't want to see games get compromised to turn into something that kind of gets away from the purpose of the games. Yeah. Which is uh, nickel and diming customers, ripping people off financially. I, I just, I'm always going to advocate against that. Quick update. 49ers have defeated the Dallas Cowboys and will be coming here to Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game. Let's go. Let's fucking go. What was the score? Let's go, Birds. What was the score? Uh, 19 to 12. 12 points. I thought the Cowboys were, were, were them boys. It's, it's one touchdown and two field goals. <laughs> I can't wait to go on Reddit. Um, what was it? A touchdown and three and a field goal? Uh, touchdown and two. They missed the extra yeah, point. It was blocked. Yeah, that, was, that was great. He, that guy's out of a job. He's done. Oh, right. um, He'll be gone. Anyways. Uh, I, I see the concerns. It's, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, in-game currency and real-life money are becoming one and the same. Sure. When you have that, you have to have security. Scary. Yeah. Sure. I don't like that. Also, I mean, like... You don't have to buy into it, too. That's the thing. You're, you're not forced into it. So I, it's, it's... I guess so. so I don't know. There's uh there's a there's a whole nother issue with all this that I that's just kind of just with digital currency currently. Um, there's like ways to like make fake coins and then pump them and dump them, and like all this stuff. And then you throw in like getting stuff from video games with that and metaverse stuff, and you're using it, it gets extremely complicated and messy. And I would just say keep them keep them somewhat separate. Don't. Don't be integrating them. There's just because two things exist does not mean we need to fusion dance everything. Well, that's together. That, that gets harder to do when you start having a universal currency. You know what I mean? It's harder. It's harder to scan people. was as far as humanity was supposed to go. I don't know, but like it's like it's like if you if you went if you went to a, a Starbucks somewhere and they're charging you thirty dollars for coffee, it, they can't do that. Because you can just go to another coffee place and get a five dollar coffee with your same five with your same American, you know, US dollar. And so it's having that having that universal coin, it makes it less harder to scam for someone to come in and try to pump and dump and you know all that stuff. What you're so what we're saying is the only way to get fair wages is to go into the digital landscape and make our own businesses. Yeah, we're gonna have to start working <laughs> digital jobs. Yeah, I mean. I'm gonna open. I'm gonna open a digital Starbucks to serve your avatars one Doge coin lattes. Hell yeah! Like, uh, we're gonna. We should move on. Well, we're gonna jump into the chat real quick before we move on. Uh, Anthony Manzano asked us to read his last comment, which uh, we did. Anthony, uh, we talked about uh, the Halo world and Call of Duty worlds. I think using the IPs to create theme parks would be a really cool idea. I think we generally all agreed with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we that would be really awesome. Yeah, the day trading Doge is back and says, Did someone mention Doge? <laughs> He's a few minutes late. I would love to go to like Halo World or something. That would be so cool, be so fun. Like, you get one of the rides as you're actually riding around in the vehicles and stuff. And a like, warthog, walking oh, around. yeah, someone comes up behind you, just murders you in the park. That would be yeah, great. That would be awesome. I'd love that. <laughs> um, let's move on though. All right, uh, back to more bad news. Riot yeah. Games uh, have laid off 46 employees 
as waves of games industry job cuts continue. Um, League of Legends developer confirmed to journalist Jacob Wolf that it had eliminated the positions, which were largely concentrated in the company's talent acquisition, recruiting, and publishing departments, as well as a few roles in esports and support. Uh, Riot roughly employs around 4,500 people globally. Um, this wasn't the first news that broke, but obviously this was a smaller story, so we're going to talk about the bigger first layoff story uh, in a little bit. Um, it just continues to suck to see uh, people laid off. Yeah. yeah. Like they said, it's a wave of it right now. A lot of companies are laying off a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. Probably because they keep canceling games. I mean, I don't think it's just that. I think it also goes along with... Like, I think Microsoft recently let off like a huge amount of people. So not I, even just in the gaming, just yeah. like all around. Yeah. Yeah, Which we're going to get into. Um, but Google also this last past week, it's yeah. not really gaming related, but they laid off 12,000 employees. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of seeing it in the tech world right now. Uh, I think a lot of these companies ex- tried to expand a bunch during the pandemic, and now they're trying it's to. Catching up to them. It, yeah, they're just. Uh, well, I don't want to say catching up to them because all these companies are still turning billions of dollars worth of profits. Yeah, that is. Um, most companies these days, when they lay people off, they're they're not losing. They're just trying to trim. They're trying to trim ex- uh, expenses. So that CEO can get a bigger cut. Yep, that's uh, that's the idea. All right, um, but we're gonna keep moving along. I just wanted to kind of touch on that real quick. It's kind of a setup for a later our topic of the show. Um, but before that, respawn the their Star Wars game might include multiplayer. This is from Insider Gaming. A uh, new job posting suggests that an upcoming respawn Star Wars game could feature multiplayer. The studio behind Titanfall, Apex Legends, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order currently working on a Star Wars first-person shooter title. With development ramping up on the game, it makes sense that job postings are going to start appearing. Uh, the specific post, which is for a senior game software engineer, uh, states that it's for the studio Star Wars FPS team. While it's nothing out of the ordinary for a developer posting, uh, the one thing that stands out is under-desired qualifications. Uh, it specifically states that the new employee has experience on working on a multiplayer game. Um, I'm really excited for this Star Wars Respawn game. Uh, I, think, I think back to Star Wars FPSs, and I think of the Jedi Knight games back on like the GameCube, Xbox, PS2 era. Really fun games. Um, I'm yeah, really looking forward to it. Just, and multiplayer would be better. Yeah. Battlefront. I mean, Battlefront Battlefront 2 could have been so good, but they just, again, they just microtransactioned yeah. their way into making the game. It ended up being really good once they took The it. campaign was fun. No, but I mean, like, later on, they, you know, they got rid of that stuff and made the multiplayer playable because it was it was a play-to-win kind of thing yeah. for a while. Yeah. It's just, it's unfortunate, but I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very optimistic about this game. I think it's going to be really good. Hoping it's really good. All right. This one might end up being a topic in and of itself. Um... But it's not the main topic of the show. So uh, this happened, I believe, last night, late last night even. Um, we got a press release from Crystal Dynamic, who made the Marvel's Avengers game. Uh, and it's titled The Final Update on the Future of Marvel's Avengers. They go on to say, uh, To our amazing community, after two and a half years of introducing 12 of Earth's mightiest heroes, following update 2.8 on March 31st, 2023, we will no longer be adding new content or features to Marvel's Avengers. All official support for the game will end on September 30th, 2023. Even after our official support ceases on September 30th, 
both single and multiplayer gameplay will continue to be available. See below for more information. Uh, update 2.7, which added the Winter Soldier Hero and Cloning Lab Omega level threat, is the last new content to be added to the game. No new cosmetics are coming to the marketplace. And all final balance updates will occur on in Update 2.8 in March. Along with the end of development, we're also turning off the cosmetics marketplace. When Update 2.8 launches on March 31st, credits will no longer be purchasable and all remaining credit balances will be converted into in-game resources to aid ongoing adventures. Here is a table below, resources that will be granted based on existing credit balances. Um, they also go on to say that as a show of their appreciation to the community, starting March 31st, they will make all the game's marketplace, challenge card, and shipment cosmetic content available to all players for free. Every single outfit, takedown, emote, and nameplate from the marketplace, challenge cards, and shipments will be free for all players from this date onwards if you own a copy of the game. Um, they know this is disappointing news for everyone in their community as such a connection to these characters and their stories. Uh, we're so grateful that you can that you came on this adventure with us. Your excitement for Marvel's Avengers, from the epic photo mode shots to your threads theorizing who our next heroes would be to your Twitch streams, has played a large part in bringing this game to life. We hope you continue to play and enjoy Marvel's Avengers. Can't thank you enough for the support and being part of our super team, Marvel's Avengers development team. This game, man. We're going to disagree. That's fine. When this game came out, I was so excited for it. Crystal Dynamics, an excellent developer. They made the Tomb Raider reboot games, yeah. which I absolutely love. And like an Avengers game, I was like, hell yeah. And the gameplay looked really promising. I got the game at launch. And like many others, kind of like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And like the first eight hours tells a, tells a pretty good story um, with, you know, really cool set pieces, gameplay loop. You know, wasn't too bad. Um, kind of a beat 'em up kind of game, but each character had their own different little mechanics and stuff like that. Um, and then you get past that eight hours. You know, you get past what you like. You're playing. I'm playing it, and I'm feeling like, oh wow, this game isn't that long. It's like I'm like six hours in, and I feel like we're getting ready to wrap up and and resolve the the game. You know what I mean? And then you hit this point, and it's like, all right, now the real game begins, and um what takes its place is a dull lackluster very grindy um marketplace filled live service game um it's it the live service part is bad yes i've played the game i can tell you that it was a good game when it tried to be a, a just a straight up game when it tried to be a straight up action adventure game it was a very good game. And then it just completely... It just completely foregoes all that. It gives all that up, and it just becomes... It just becomes terrible. Like, I... Like, as we've talked I uh, on the podcast, I try to complete games. This was a game I did not complete. This was a game that I hit the credits on, and I was like... I tried. I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll grind out the achievements and stuff, and it was just... It was terrible. It was awful. Um, it was just... It, 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 like for me, Marvel's Avengers will always be the shining example of why I would like to not see as many live service games. Because the concept, the not even the concept, the execution in that first that first eight hours was very enjoyable. 
the the story was what was pretty well written the game went to different places the characters had their own stories there was a plot the going there was a plot twist that happens like there was like the game was good and i was enjoying it and then it gets to a point where it's like it just gets rid of all of that and it's just the husk of the gameplay it's an empty corpse of the gameplay it's like all right now go do this on loop for hours and hours and hours to to complete your weekly challenges so you can do this and like and again like it just it wasn't very good it could have been a game that was a 20-hour campaign and it could have been remembered much differently it would have been remembered much differently if they had made a better game it'd be much it'd be remembered much if they didn't go the live service model it would have been a much better credits you'll get 166,000 units so i was saying they sure like the number 666 for those credit balances there's the number 666 is everywhere it's crazy it's almost like live service games are the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have photographic evidence of it being the devil. Yeah. So here, if, producer Jeff, please show the please show the devil chart, please, for the live. Oh, it was service. up. It's it was up for sure. Yeah. Okay. Good. If it was a better game, it wouldn't be the devil chart. It wouldn't be the last update. That's all I'm saying. If it was a better game, it wouldn't be the last update. But the, at the end of the day, like, okay, so so I believe, yeah, uh, I wasn't looking at the live stream. So Jeff, producer Jeff was showing gameplay. The game was good. It was a good game. But the problem is, it became, what it became was not good. The live service elements killed that game. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, I played that game. And for eight hours, I was enjoying it. The game could have went another eight hours. And I still would have said, oh, that was a good game. I really enjoyed that. Let me go back and mop up the achievements, and I'll put an extra four or five hours completing the game. And it ends up being like a 30-ish hour game toward like like in the 2030s. I think that's great. But instead, they wanted to do the live service route. They, they took something, they took the part that they made, and then they just added a bunch of unnecessary stuff to it. There was no exact substance exactly. after that eight hours. A bunch of unnecessary stuff. They didn't add stuff that enhanced the game. Like we were just talking about. When you, when you add stuff to a game, it has to enhance the game. Sure. Warframe is a great game. It adds to the game. It, it's it's a free-to-play game. It, it, it's just one of the... You have to add to the game. You can't add meaningless things to the game and expect it to be good. Expect players to come back just because you added stuff to it. Just because we had an eight-hour great story story that we told in the first half, you need to, you need to enhance the game. It's why it's why Monster Hunter is so successful. It's why all these games, Grand Theft Auto, is very successful. It adds everything they add. It adds to the game. You can't add meaningless stuff to the game. On top of that, it, it, it's just you also can't add stuff to the game while it's still buggy. You got to fix the game first before it's just a lot of don't make a bad game. Pump, dump a bunch of extra stuff in it and expect people to play it and like it. That's See, not the problem happen. was, and this is what goes into my argument with uh, Suicide Squad, some games are, should not be live service games. Can you agree with that? Bad games should not be live service games. No, no, no. Games. Some games, regardless no, of quality, if you make a game good enough that it fits the live service model, it works. We're back. It works. <laughs> no. But if, no, if you make a game that if you make a game where, okay, here's my vision for the game, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make a game, I'm going to add stuff to it, I'm going to make it worth the player's time to, to put invest into it. If they're going to grind, Destiny 2 is grinding, but it's a great game. It's good mechanics. You can't just add a few skins and like avengers had good mechanics the game played well and nobody, nobody really talked about the negative gameplay it was stretched out it was stretched out after that again in that 
like if you go back and look at reviews for like when people are talking specifically about that first stretch generally speaking maybe i'm just not remembering correctly but i don't remember critics being super negative about that initial stretch the problem with the game comes after that initial stretch when it's like okay the eight hours really kind of more so serves as a tutorial it's very clear once you get into the live service part that that eight hours is meant to set up your 150 hours or whatever on the live service game like that was the point of the eight hours once you get through it same thing with destiny I played Marvel's Avengers. I can tell you that the eight hours was enjoyable. Was it like game of the year quality? I don't know if I would go that far, but I, I thought it was a very enjoyable game. And then once they took they took that and they were like, okay, let's take the story out. Let's take all the all of like what made the game fun in terms of like going to different places. It's like, all right, well, you now you've been to like the six or seven different places. Why don't you go back to those places? And just do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, that's bad game development. That's a bad game. Right, but what I'm saying is is that the game became bad because they took a game and they stretched it to fit the live service model. The live service model is yeah, what I, makes it a bad game. I, no, that's my no. problem. You said two different things. You said they took a good game and stretched it to make it live service. That right. is bad game development. That's a bad game. Right, it's a bad game because of the live service part. It's... If you want to take the live service part, you throw it in the trash, and you have that eight-hour experience. Now, you could argue eight hours is too short. I'm yeah. not arguing that. My point is, if you take that eight hours of game, and you take that, and that's the game, the biggest critique of that game is it's only eight hours long. Okay, that's fair. And that's a fair critique. Yeah. But the game itself, in that eight hours, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It shows the gameplay mechanics while telling a fun comic book story with heroes mm -hmm. and like sure is the plot twist kind of is the plot kind of predictable i mean yeah it's a comic book story like whatever like it is what it is but at the end of the day it's a fun story with it which has some really cool set pieces going from the the golden gate bridge collapsing to you know other areas like like there's a good game there in that eight hours maybe not great maybe not excellent but my point is and the second that they took that eight-hour game or they took that gameplay and that story and they were like, all right, we're going to take this and we're going to stretch it to fit something that it shouldn't it, be, it became bad. It became bad. And yes. I agree with you 100%. Right. 100%. But this is why every time we have this conversation, you always bring up Avengers, Marvel's Avengers, yeah. and Anthem. Because Marvel's Avengers is, for me, the the most glaring example of it. It's, like, it's the midst of a bad game. It's, it's one of those things where... Again, you bring up Marvel's Avengers and you bring up Anthem. Mm -hmm. You bring up two bad games and say and, and say live service is bad for certain genres. Yes, it, it, you have to you have to make the game. If you're going to do a live service, make the game fit live service. Again, Genshin Impact. It's a game built for live service. It's a single player game. It's a single player adventure game built for live service, and it 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 kills. It also has multiplayer aspects. Like you can get you could, like you and your homies can party up. Up yeah. to four. And that kills. If you make a game, you can't make you can't you can't stuff your foot into you can't stuff your you know you you yeah, in Devro's defense, the Avengers was a bad game uh once after that eight hour mark. Well that's what so I'm saying. Yeah, I, I know, and that's what I'm saying. So what like I'm saying, Jerome's saying he, he didn't like the game because the first eight hours were great, it was a good game, and then they, they, they stretched it to make it into a live service game. Right. When you do that, you make the game bad. Right. Yeah. Because the game wasn't built for that. Right. If, yes. That's what I'm saying. If you build a game, if if Suicide yeah. Squad is built to survive a live service model where you get, you know, new missions where, you know, you come in and, you know, come and play next week and defeat this many villains or, you know, whatever. 
it can work. My argument is is that I don't know if those types of games can fit the live service model, though. I don't think they can. I don't think that they have it, because what you see in Avengers is what that type of game can create in the live service space. So that, that's so my they're, they're a bad example Where? of it. The Warframe um, and, and Grand Theft Auto, those are games you can play by yourself or with, you know, four friends. It's, it's a great game, but it's just... We, yeah, we already had that. We had those single player. But again, going back to it, and no, hold on, GTA Online is not single player. But you can, not. and it's story driven as well. Like you, you play a story, and then there's grinding stuff in between. The whole point of GTA Online is you get to run around with your friends and cause yeah, things. Yeah, no, that's that. the whole point. But but the and that works, and that's fine. But they're not they saying give you every few, you know, whatever, six months or a year or whatever that you can just play, and it's story driven content. Right, but my point is, is that that's fine, and and like I said earlier, because I wanted to kind of like sharpen my point games as a service is not bad live service games as a whole are not bad but i'm saying that they can take good games and ruin them and that's why game genres that i like such as an action adventure genre such as these comic book games like i didn't like if the avengers again if the avengers had just been a little bit longer and not done the live service route while yes, the game was generally disliked strongly to the point that they're canceling this live service game, as most of these unsuccessful live service games do get canceled. Like, it just when they made that game, they were chasing a trend. They they took yeah, they took, yeah absolutely. They took an for a great game and yes. tried to fit a trend. That's my point. You're we like we're not disagreeing, but we're arguing. But that's what I'm saying. The game is really good. Like it was like, good. You were in you you because I'm looking at it from a section of the game. But like even the mechanics. If you ask me to review the game right now, if you ask me to give the the game a score, mm-hmm. I give it like a four out of ten. And that's that's average. I think IGN gave it a six. Metacritic is a six point seven. Yeah, I'd give it like a, a four or five out of ten. Yes, it's 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 one of those where it's it's not a it's just not a good game. It's not a game, but it's not. But it's not good because of it tries to be something that it's not supposed to be. It's literally why it's bad. That's literally why. That's it's what I'm saying. You just said it wasn't. No, it's bad because it, it tried to be something it's not. Yeah, and that's right. why it failed. Right. But it was also wasn't a good game. But that's why I'm saying we should not just shoehorn the live service model into these games. No, you shouldn't shoehorn it. Wait, 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 wait. I'm noticing a trend in the games that Rome is describing and a trend in the games that Dev is describing. The games you listed are RPGs with battle passes. The games Dev is listing do not actually have battle passes. Right, and, and that's fine. And again, like, I'm not arguing... But, hold on. Then you two start to argue because you start splitting hairs over the definition of a live service again. Even though, technically, as long as it's online and it gets regular updates, it is automatically live service. That is the technical definition. Sure. Now, the battle pass of Avengers probably made... Avengers worse. And it was, as you are trying to say, a good game until you got to the battle pass. Then it started to suck. Mm. And I think Dev is saying the same thing, but also at the same time saying, if the game was good and designed with a battle pass as in mind, it would have been better. Yeah. Okay. For example... Warframe, it has a Battle Pass-esque thing. Uh, Call of Duty has a Battle Pass-esque thing. These these games have, like, monthly Battle Pass things, or not even monthly. You just buy it, and you get, you know, stuff for a few months. Live service is so common nowadays 
It's it's pretty much if it's online, it's live service. If it gets regular updates, it's live service. Well, yeah, when you chase that trend, you're going to fail. But that's my point. That that that's what I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing with you about all these games you're listing. You can keep listing live service games, and I'll tell you, oh yeah, that game Call of Duty makes sense to have a battle pass. I'm not spending the money on a battle pass, but yeah. but I understand the model and understand that it makes sense in that model. Having seasons with content in your seasons for a strictly multiplayer game. Like, I get it. And, like, for me, as long as the Battle Pass is something you can, like, you can just play and get everything, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with the Battle Pass in that sense. Um, but, again, you, like, the point okay, is... Can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question. Sure. What is the point of a Battle Pass or a live service? The point of a Battle Pass or a live service, when done successfully, is to continue to keep players coming back to play your game. So you want to get players to come back to your game a lot, right? That's yes. the point of it. Yes. If you make a bad game, no one's going to want to come back to it, and you're going to have to shut down. You're not sure. making money off of it. Right. Make a better game. If you make yeah. a bad game, people aren't going to come and play your game and spend money on skins. They're not going to spend money on extra content or Black Panther or, or Spider-Man comes sure. to the game. Sure. You, you, you make the game good, and people want to come back, and you just give them icing on the cake that you just served them. Yeah. That's why I'm saying these games are bad. Anthem is a bad game. Marvel's Avengers is a bad game. If they were better, they they wouldn't be closing down. Right. I I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree because for me, the reason it's a bad game isn't because the game itself. I think the gameplay is fun. I don't think it's bad. I think that in that eight-hour game that I played, uh, I walked away from that. If I had put the controller down and just stopped playing the game straight up at that point, I would have been like, oh, if that was all there is to it, I was like, it was kind of shooter. I would say the length would hurt it a little bit, but I would say, yeah, I would maybe like a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. I think seven or eight is about the ballpark I would put that in. But, like, it doesn't stop. It keeps going because it tries to be something that it shouldn't have been. Yeah. And that's... With that, it, felt, it feels shoehorned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but uh, I, here's... We'll, we'll end this Battle Pass the online service debate right now. You want to know who did a good, did a good Battle Pass, oddly enough? Konami. In Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duels. That thing is you buy you want you want the special pass, you buy you buy it with in-game currency. You want the you want the good pass you want the just play, you get a you get bonuses just for playing. You show up every day, you get a bonus for showing up every day. You don't show up every day, it's fine. You get like five gems for showing up every day, and then seven days in a row you get something bigger. Like that's nothing crazy. Yeah, I don't think they did a great job. And then you, you just duel. You just duel. I mean, granted, they need to fix their online service because I'm tired of fighting bots that just waste the whole 30 minutes. But aside from that, they actually did it well. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this again at some point. It's eternal. It's, 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 it's an eternal service. service. <laughs> it's all I live service games. That's the funny thing about our friendship, Dev. I just feel like it's a live service game in and of itself. Yeah. Check back in every day. All right. Well, that, that's our topics uh, or our news headlines for the show. Uh, let's run through these game releases and then get to the main topic of the show. Uh, so game releases for the week of January 23rd through 28th. Uh, Forspoken comes out tomorrow. Or not tomorrow. Tuesday. Sorry, Tuesday mm-hmm. for the PS5 and PC. Really worried about that. I'm sure we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, Risen comes out on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on Tuesday. World War Z comes out on PS5 and Xbox Series consoles on Tuesday. Uh, Devolver Tumble Time comes out on iOS and Android on January 26th. Game of the year right there. What was it? 
tumble time game of the year game of the year that forest i think every week you should just force pick game of the year like that that uh, after pick this week um hitman world of assassination which i have no idea what this is actually ps5 xbox series ps4 xbox one switch and pc so it's all three uh hitman games into one oh, okay the dlc and everything it's one big hitman game. okay cool. that's a nice little package right there mm-hmm. i like that um, the Dead Space remake comes out on January 27th for PS5, Xbox Series, and PC. Uh, for me, in terms of what I'm I'm looking forward to this week, is definitely the Dead Space remake. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what I'm hearing is very positive. Yeah. Um, as opposed to Forspoken, which I'm not hearing a lot of positive. I'm not hearing anything. Yeah, we're not hearing anything. Um, what about you? You think that is Dead Space kind of your end out of the games this week? Uh, I I have a lot of hope. It- for Forspoken, it just looks like a pretty game. It looks like something I'd be into, mm-hmm. and I, it sucks I'm not even going to be able to play it. I'll have to watch some some playthrough for it, but it looks good. But I have to go with Dead Space just because, you know, the remake looks good. I mean, I, I like new games over remakes. I'm going to have to go with Forspoken. It's, it's just a good week for gaming anyway. It just, yeah, no, it, it's a, it is a good week. Uh, all right, well, so Forrest is locked in with uh, Devolver Tumble Time. Okay. That's yeah. his pick. He's yeah. locked in. Uh, Producer, Jeff. <laughs> Producer Jeff, anything look good for you this week? I'm actually uh, watching some of this Forspoken uh, we got going on here. This actually looks really good. It does, and that's and that's again, it's it's very weird because the game was kind of delayed because you know, and a lot of people are kind of nervous about the writing and the the you know the presentation of the game in terms of like I believe the speaking dialogue seemed kind of weird for some people. Yeah. Um, no, this game's. It's going to chug. Yeah. On, on so, so producer Jeff, just to kind of educate you a little bit, I'm sure it's kind of common sense anyway, but usually when game developers don't send out review codes for games before the game comes out, it's usually a bad sign that the game isn't very good, uh, whether it be broken or just or just bad. Um, so it, 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 while Forspoken looks really promising, and I want to say it's kind of the game I'm looking forward to the most this week, the news, honestly, if you asked me a week ago, I would have chosen Forspoken over Dead Space. But it just, there's got to be something going on there. Uh, yeah. TJ's here. He says uh, looks good to him. Uh, maybe it needs more time in the oven, but overall looks good. Yeah. yeah again, like, the, but there's got to be some reason why Square Enix isn't giving out review codes. From everything I've seen of the game and how pretty it looks, even just looking at this this role that yeah. uh, Jeff has up right now, like it looks great. It does. I think it's going to be performance issues. I don't think it's going to be writing or anything like that. It looks like it's going to be performance issues, but we'll have to see. Maybe I don't know. But that is the uh, the game releases for this week. Overall, a pretty big week for for pretty much everyone. I mean, there's not really a big Nintendo release, but Fire Emblem just came out, so you know, Nintendo fans will be fine. Let's talk about the topic of the show. Um, so Microsoft this past week they laid off 10,000 of their employees. Uh, the news originally broke earlier last week uh, when IGN had was able to confirm it uh, in a public message to staff. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella Nadella said the decision was difficult but necessary, but is confident that Microsoft will emerge from this stronger and more competitive. Uh, It's unclear exactly which departments at the time of IGN's reporting were impacted by this, um, which I do have another update for another uh, article. Um, Yeah, so I mean, they laid off 10,000 of of their employees. Uh, Someone pointed out that really ironically enough, Activision Blizzard has about 10,000 employees. so that could be an ulterior, not an ulterior motive, but there could be some thought process there where they're getting ready to bring in 10,000 new employees. So 
Um, I mean, layoffs suck. And they, they, they never don't suck. Uh, you know, it wasn't even just gaming, though. It was just across the board. They it was. Um, however, uh, we were able to get a little bit of an update on where a lot of these cuts came from. Uh, we found out via Jason, Sh- Jason Schreier. Um, he said that a lot of the a major uh, in terms of the gaming sphere, um, while there was some layoffs at Bethesda, there was some layoffs at the Coalition. Um, three four three Industries was said to have been hit pretty hard. Um, sad to hear. It is sad to hear. They also pointed out that Halo Infinite's head of creative Joe Statton is leaving three four three to rejoin the Xbox publishing wing of the gaming division. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he was basically said that you know. 343 was hit hard by the move specifically. Uh, they've Studio head Pierre Hintz sent out a memo saying we've made the difficult decision to restructure elements of our team, which means some roles are being eliminated. Uh, see, I'm trying to get us all caught up on the news because there was this kind of a multiple news angle articles. Um, let's see. Patrick Rand, former senior multiplayer designer for Halo Infinite, now working on Star Wars Jedi Survivor, did not mince his words. Um, basically, this this comes from Polygon. It was um, some of the ex-Halo developers bashing the studio's leadership, uh, calling them incompetent. Um, he said, the layoffs at 343 shouldn't have happened, and Halo Infinite should be in a better state. The reason for both of those things is incompetent leadership up top during Halo Infinite development causing massive stress on those working hard to make Halo the best it could be. The people I worked with worth, worked with every day were very passionate about Halo and wanted to make something great for the fans. They helped push for a better Halo and got laid off for it. Um, Ren added, the devs are still there working hard on that dream. Look at Forge. Be kind to them during this awful time. Ren later went on to say, uh, I, do, I do want to make sure that I call out how amazing the multiplayer leadership team was during development, seemingly laying the blame uh, at the door of senior management um, and the and the leaders responsible for Halo Infinite's campaign. Uh, Schreier said that he had heard ver- versions of Ren's complaints from many other Halo developers. You know, there, there's just more quotes that kind of go on about that, kind of in that direction. Um, some more details on the layoff before we kind of start talking about it a little bit more. Um, a thread from a known Halo leaker called Bathrobe Spartan uh, suggests that 343 lost one-third of the work. What was that? Bathrobe Spartan, great name. Great name. But he's a known leaker, and he's someone that actually gives good information. So we're, we're going we're gonna to trust him. Uh, they suggest that 343 Industries is losing one-third of its workforce or more, um, or more than 130 employees. So it's losing a third of its workforce. Um, additionally, the rumor says that as a result of this, the studio plans to halt development of Halo single-player uh, campaign-style content um, and Halo in general for the foreseeable future. Bathrobe Spartan concludes that moving forward, 343 will coordinate additional updates for Halo Infinite's multiplayer while continuing to outsource the game to partner studios like Skybox, Spearsoft, and Certain Affinity. Supposedly, these layoffs will not affect Halo Infinite's planned content um, of the Season 3 which is the Echoes Within coming March 7th. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's any more different information, more valuable information. Uh, yeah, just a lot of developers upset at what's going on. Uh, last bit of 
update, let's see. I mean, yeah, that, that, that was pretty much the gist of it. Um, so, guys, uh, a lot of layoffs at 343. Uh, third of the workforce. Seems like a lot of the management's being blamed for this. Let's talk a little bit about Halo uh, and the job that 343 had done under it. And and then I do have like one more update, which is I would consider it a positive update, but like we can we could kind of discuss that as well. Uh, so Dev, for you, three four three. We we talked, I believe, on the first episode that you were on about Halo briefly about how much we love like two and three and Reach and the job that Bungie did. Obviously, Bungie did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. with Halo. Um, kind of run down the trilogy for you and like what what do you think you know three four three did? How did how did they do? If you want to go game to game, that's fine. Or, you know, as a whole, how do you feel? I really enjoyed Halo 4. I I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it just from beginning to end. I, there was a lot of changes in it that people didn't like. And I understand it, but I got used to it. Uh, Halo 5 was a bit more rocky for me, especially with the multiplayer, you know, split screen. Because I could still play Halo 4 split screen. Couldn't do that in Halo 5 anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and story-wise for Halo 5, it was it was all over the place, and, and you know, playing as... It was okay to play as a new character, but how much they, they kind of shoved him in there, it was just weird. And then Infinite kind of... Infinite seems like it's the best the best they've done so far. It seems like... And it, again, they tried something completely new, but it actually worked this time. Uh, I really liked Infinite. I didn't finish the story, the campaign, mm-hmm. but I like the mechanics of it. It's a lot different than 4, at least. 4 was a lot different. Um, if I had to give it a grade, just for their trilogy, I'd mm-hmm. say like a seven out of ten. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forrest, what what about you? Um, talk us through your experiences with the Halo trilogy under three four three, whether it just be multiplayer campaign, however much or however little you played. Um, I played the multiplayer a little bit, the new one. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out first, right? And then the campaign. Yes. Yeah, so I played the multiplayer. Uh, I liked it. It felt like uh, felt like we're back at we're back at Halo. It was the first one I played of three four three. I think I think I played their first one. wasn't a fan. Stopped playing after they did four, right? Yeah, they did Halo four, Guardians, and then Infinite. I skipped Guardians, so I did four. I did a lot of online with that, and then I did uh probably like a week of Infinite, and then I just kind of fell off. Um, and nothing, nothing that they did. Um, I remember they had a Gundam skin, and I was like, "Ooh!" But (laughs) that's about it. Uh, like for me, it Halo was is Halo forever. Like, so I'm not, I'm not the biggest like Halo guy. Like, it doesn't change really. Which, and some for some people that's a good thing. For others, it's a bad thing. Yeah, like, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with Halo. I'm just like. Okay, am I a Spartan? Cool. Do I do it? Do I do the thing with the, with the pew pews? Cool. All right. Death achieved. All right. You so, know, uh, as far as I go with most Halo stuff. Sure. Uh, so TJ in the chat says Halo Infinite is the most average game ever. Combat is excellent. Story is garbage. World is garbage. Everything but gameplay is pure garbage. The game is severely overrated. Garbage. Um. So I mean, I'll talk about. Halo for me with 343 three, uh, before I kind of get to that, my thoughts on that. Um, well, do you want to do you want to chime in on TJ's? No, I, I thought that that seems it seems 
I, I thought a lot of people liked the game. I mean, I guess that's what he's saying. He's saying it's overrated, so. Yeah. Sure. Um, all right, so, I mean, for me, I, I would say I really enjoyed Halo 4. I really liked Halo 4. I thought that the campaign was really good. Mm-hmm. The story was really good. I would say, it, I would go as far as to say it's not my least favorite Halo campaign at that point. Yeah, yeah I got what you're saying. It's definitely not my least favorite now. Because yeah. yeah. I... We talked about it as we played it, because we played them So, well. yeah, so some background information is um, Dev and I have, like, a games list where there are a lot of games that he hasn't played or there's co-op games that I really want to play with him. And we're working our way through this list. And last year, we spent a lot of time playing Halo, as we talked about when we... Um, I don't know, it wasn't last year, it was 2021. It's actually kind of crazy how long it's been. Yeah. Um, but 2021, we spent a lot of that year playing Halo and getting caught up on the series. Um, we could not split-screen Halo 5, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, we had to bring a TV down. We had, we had to do a bunch of stuff to yeah. get a TV downstairs. So there was two TVs. Had like a little mini LAN party going, I guess. Which, which was fun. Obviously. It was kind of a throwback. It was kind of cool, but yeah, it... it it was still kind of like it, could be, it, it was, was a head scratcher. It was weird. You had to play on a really small TV. I had my giant TV, and I'm just like, well, this is weird. It was big enough, but it was just like I had to sit on the floor. It was yeah. a weird setup, like you yeah. said. So I really enjoyed Halo Four. Halo Guardians. I, I'm often left really kind of confused about Halo Guardians because I think on on paper the concept of Guardians is really cool. Yeah. Having Master Chief go rogue from the UNSC. Jamie's back. What's up, Jamie? Um, having the UNSC, you know, Chief kind of split off from that. Such a fascinating concept. Like, I'm, I was so down. On paper. on paper. But then you get into playing the game, and, like, it, it's just not managed very well. The game's pretty, and, like, sure, it plays well because it's Halo. But, like, the way TJ feels about Infinite is how I feel about Guardians. I like gameplay, very good gameplay for Guardians. But everything else, terrible. It, it, it didn't have that Halo story that we, we like. You know, there was something, yeah. like, it felt missing. And maybe it was the whole, like, Cortana the end, thing. The ending was kind of lame. Yeah, like, I just... I wasn't even about Cortana's, like, character arc in the game. Like, I didn't have an issue with that. Okay. It just... It was just the journey we went on. Like, I just didn't think the story was very good. The way Chief was kind of, like, used, utilized or underutilized, however you want to look at it, I didn't think that was very good. Um, just a lot of issues there. And then you get to Halo Infinite, and Halo Infinite's a very weird game for me, because it's like, I kind of... I don't agree with TJ. But at the same time... Kind of do. I think that I didn't dislike Halo Infinite's story, but I feel like it. It really, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. That would be the best way I could describe the story of Halo Infinite. I don't dislike the story of Rise of Skywalker, but the problem is, is that The Last Jedi was so poorly received that they completely were just like, oh, we got to make all these changes that don't necessarily make sense. And I feel like that's where Halo Infinite finds itself. I think Halo Guardians was so poorly received in the story department that they made a lot of changes that don't make sense to the game. And I don't want to get into spoiler territory because Halo Infinite, I do deem it new enough where I'm not going to really go into it and get into it. Um, Yeah, um, TJ says, Halo Infinite should be up there with God of War, Zelda, The Last of Us, Splatoon, Pokemon, from a quality point of view, as opposed to numbers you could even say Metroid Metroid Prime. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but like, I think that's, that that goes more to the development hell they've been through for the longest time. Having an engine, a new engine for this game that no one knew how to use, and it's like it's hard to develop. It's slow development, and now they're talking about switching over to Unreal Five mm-hmm. because that might be easier. It's just, it's yeah, it's just sad. Yeah, and, but then so for again for Halo Infinite, like I didn't dislike the story, and them trying an open world, I didn't think it was necessary. 
like there was a few moments where I was like when I first started playing Halo Infinite I'm like wow this is really cool to have this this big open world like it's kind of crazy because it's a you know it's a new direction for Halo. Yeah. The appeal wears off pretty pretty early for me. I felt like I felt like Halo might just be better off in a level based format. Um, yeah. I know it's kind of viewed as archaic where like nowadays it's like oh our game every game's got to be open world. Not every game needs to be open world to be a good game. That doesn't mean that open world games are bad. We're not going to have a disagreement, an, an argument like live service games. Open world games can be good, yeah. but some games should not be that. Um, and I think Halo Infinite kind of falls in that category. Um, I feel like there were a lot of key things that just weren't there, even still aren't there. I mean, again, co-op is not, there's no, I think the co-op's there now with online co-op, but there's still no split screen. Um, I just, I find Halo Infinite is kind of a missed opportunity. I don't dislike Halo Infinite, though. Like, if I were to grade it, if you asked me to give it a, give it a score, I'd probably say 8 out of 10, low 8, high 7. I do think it's the best of the three. I don't. I think Halo 4 is, I think 4 is the best of the three. Okay. But there are moments in Infinite that I really do like. So, like, I don't want to completely throw Infinite out. Mm -hmm. Five, absolutely, I'm going to throw Guardians I, I, out. I, I, I'm going to throw Guardians right out the window. I'm going to score a few. For about 95% of that game, throwing it out. Um, Infinite, though, like, it's kind of middle of the road, um, which is kind of disappointing. Um, TJ says, so we're on the same page. Gameplay good. World is crap. Story is boring. You literally do nothing. The villain, garbage villain. This game is infuriating. I would say that I, I would not say the story is boring. It just, again, it goes that Rise of Skywalker route where it's like, like, I like Rise of Skywalker. I, I do. I, I like the story they tell there. But the problem is it doesn't line up with the rest of the story. It feels like someone completely different wrote that story. That's how I feel about Infinite. It's like where we end on Guardians is not where we pick up on Infinite. And yeah, that that's right. the biggest problem. Because, like, I mean, again, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, Infinite picks up, like, when you finish Guardian or Guardians, you are left with questions. Mm -hmm. You expect those questions to be the key focus of Infinite, but those questions get answered before Infinite starts, and you're just told, okay, well, this happened. And it's the same thing as Rise of Skywalker. It's like, it, it's, like it's not bad. It just doesn't, it's nonsensical with the rest of the franchise because they felt the need to go in and address the critics, which it's good that they listened. But you gotta try to at least stay the course to some degree. What was what's episode seven called? Episode seven or nine? I mean nine of Star Wars. After the Rise of Skywalker. Okay. For yeah, me, for the me, last one. Oh wait. Three six. Yeah, you're thinking of the last Jedi came before the. Yeah. Rise of so, so for me, Halo Five is the last Jedi. Yeah. Whereas this. Completely is, agree. Where yeah. this is, but they're trying to fix something that was dropped. You know what I mean? And you're right. gonna have. That's why it, they're kind of. It was a. It was a reset button because five did so poorly. Right, and, and I get it, and that's why, like, I'm not going to completely knock it. Like, I'm not going to go TJ level, where I'm like, the story's boring, the story's terrible. I like the story of, of Halo Infinite. But, again, because they had to kind of build from scratch in your third game of your trilogy, it falls flat. Sure. Because Halo, I, I guess the underlying problem is Halo Guardians is just that bad. Kind of like the way The Last Jedi is just that bad. Yeah. That it, it ruins the, awesome. the thing that comes, comes after it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, that, that was kind of where we were at with Halo, um, in terms of the layoffs and stuff, uh, a lot of speculation that Halo was no longer going to be under 343's main control, um, some people even went as far as to say that Halo was dead, that it was the end of the franchise, um, other people had cool ideas, I saw someone, uh, suggest, oh man, let id make Halo, people that made Doom, yeah. that would yeah. be great. 
I'd be down for. Uh, I'd be down for Doom Halo. Another thing is also they're getting like a lot of you know when they acquire Activision Blizzard, they're gonna have some people on the Call of Duty side who maybe can like let's keep it Halo, but maybe let's you know right. throw some development in it. Right. All right. Let's see here. But we did get I think the future of Halo is, is is looking okay for now. Right. Well, there was a Halo update. Yes. And this was actually so you know behind the scenes stuff. This script was made before this update happened. This update came out last night. We were watching the Eagles game when this update came out. Um, 343 actually put out an official response. Um, And they say, Halo and Master Chief are here to stay. 343 Industries will continue to develop Halo now and in the future, including epic stories, multiplayer, and more of what makes Halo great. Studio head, Pierre Hintz. So, um, I think there is a little bit of hope. I think that what Halo needs right now is to go on the back burner. I think that still continue to support Halo Infinite. I'm not saying yeah, no, I, Halo Infinite. I agree with you because they're doing good work there with Halo Infinite. But I think if I'm if I'm Xbox, if I'm Microsoft, I'm letting 343 go into basically going to hiding. I'm like, guys, there's been a lot of issues with 343 since really since day one. You guys made a good Halo 4. But ever since then, struggling at the studio. Whether that's leadership, whatever, whoever it is. Um, I would let that studio go into hibernation, fix your problems, come back into like five years, maybe even more, and bring Halo back. I think that with Bethesda on board now, I think I'm expecting Activision to go through. With Bethesda and Activision getting on board and you have these other studios you've, you've put money into... You can you can have Starfield and you can have Gears of War carry the Xbox banner for the next decade. Mm-hmm. I really feel strongly about that. I think because not only do you have Starfield, you have Elder Scrolls coming out after yeah, that. that. You have Fallout coming out after that. And other studios, they have other studios, and they have, know what they're working. Exactly. On. So Halo can go away for a while. Yeah, and I think that would be best. I think you know they were trying to, they needed Halo when when Xbox realized it had a problem back when it canceled Scalebound. It, they realized, oh crap, we have two developers, three developers technically, more two, two developers working on franchises. We have Gears of War, we have Forza, we have Halo, and then we have Fable. And, like, Lionhead closed, so they weren't working on Fable. So you were kind of, and Bungie left, so you didn't have anyone on Halo. And at that point, they realized they had a problem, and they had to start correcting that problem. Unfortunately, it's a problem that takes years to fix. Um, But I, I think that in the long run, let Halo take that time off and let your other franchises and IPs hold down the fort. Mm-hmm. And then when Halo comes back, it's going to be hype. Or do you have uh, anything you want to add? I mean, not really. I'm not the biggest Halo guy. Like, hey, man, I'm the Doom thing sounded cool. Like, yeah. I'd be down. All right. Uh, well, I mean, that's pretty much all we got for you know, the show tonight. Uh, let's end the show with what we're what we're doing right now, what we're playing right now. Uh, Dev, what are you playing right now? Nothing new. No. Um, I want to like I'm slowly the thought process of getting back into uh, Breath of the Wild is there. I, like I want to start Breath of the Wild again before Tears of the Kingdom comes out, but not playing much this this week. No. Okay. Forrest, are you playing anything? Uh, I played Mech Arena yesterday. They actually sponsored my Twitch, and it was actually a lot of fun. I played for like four hours straight. Like I was, I was, mm, I was being toxic. Like, get good, get good. 
Yeah. What is that? Yeah, I, played, I played too. Yeah, we we both played. We were we were both playing that yesterday, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> but and then uh, Sunbreak still trying to catch up. I'm at. I hit my hit that wall where I need to grind to get the armors I want. And then uh, I'm gonna be playing Divinity Two this week, which is like an RPG uh, Dungeons and Dragons Boulder Gate Boulder's Gate esque, uh, kind of like a dice RPG. And I'm very interested. I've never played a game like that, and I'm very interested in it. So I'm gonna I'm, I'll I'll have uh, that experience next time we talk. Cool. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Uh, Jeff, how's how's uh, how's Warzone Two Modern Warfare Two treating you? I have not been playing. Once I heard that the season two update was delayed, I delayed my play. <laughs> so you're waiting for season two? Yes. That's fair. It's understandable. Uh, well, so as I said on last week's episode, I wrapped up Majora's Mask. Uh, I played over the weekend Escape Academy, which is on Game Pass. It's kind of like a um. And like an escape room kind of game, we we were talking about it. I really think you would like it. I think yeah, you should. I I think you should play it. It's on Game Pass. Yeah, I think I'm gonna play it. Yeah, that that was really good. Um, and then now I'm gonna be starting Fire Emblem Engage because it came yesterday. Amazon almost screwed me over, but it, it did come only the day after release. So I guess that's that's good. So I'm looking forward to playing that. Um, yeah, go ahead, take a look. Um, but yeah, so I think that's all we have here uh, for you guys tonight on episode 11 of the Game Room Podcast. Thank you to Jamie and thank you to TJ hanging out with us in the chat. Really appreciate it. Make sure you guys hit the like button on your way out. Uh, you can follow us down below at our social media stuff. And I believe is Forrest's Twitch in the description or is it just his social media? It's his Twitter. Oh, his Twitch is there too. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can follow I'll Forrest streaming tomorrow. Forrest, what are you streaming right now? Are you just doing Monster Hunter still? I'm still doing Monster Hunter. Um, that'll be the big thing. Um, and then I, I don't know if I'm streaming Divinity or not. I'm, but I will be in a collab. I don't know who's streaming it, but like oh. I'm, I'm doing it with four. We're playing with four other streamers, so it's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be very uh, unhinged. Nice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so anyway, that sounds great. Make sure you follow Forrest and you know where he's at with his streaming and stuff. Uh, and once again, thank you to everyone hanging out with us tonight. Just uh, an FYI, if you're new to the channel, we also have wrestling podcasts. We have the Broken Tables podcast on Wednesday nights and Friday nights following AEW Dynamite and Rampage. Uh, we would love to have you guys hang with us uh, and talk wrestling as well. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you guys later. Peace.